1: Welcome
2: back to Thirty Two Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling?
1: Oh, I'm excited. I feel like some podcasts were just going through the motions, in, in you know, in ranking season, we got football season six months of the year, ranking season six months a year. But uh, this one, we're not going through the motions. This one, we're legitimately excited about.
2: Yeah, so this is a a very exciting podcast. You you G-chatted me a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and you said, do you have a ranking of national flags? And, And how did I respond?
1: I think within 30 seconds, you said, like, you were insulted, like, of course you did. And then you said, big vexillologist.
2: Calling myself that, yeah, and then you you tweeted that, and uh, people thought that was uh, uh, fitting with my personality, I guess, but um, there's there's big vexillologists, and then there's the biggest uh, vexillologist, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that word, so I apologize, but we are very excited uh, with the, uh, the guest we have today to uh, discuss flags with us, uh, Ted K. Uh, from the North American Vexillological Association, uh, he also wrote uh, uh, the book Good Flag, Bad Flag. And when it comes to the vexillology game, uh, Ted K is definitely...
1: He literally wrote the book.
2: Huh? Yeah, he, but he is definitely my rabbi. He doesn't know that. He doesn't see me as a mentee, but I definitely see him as a mentor. Big fan of, uh, of his, his theory of flags. So, Ted, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you for having me. It's going to be fun.
2: Yeah. So, before we even jump into... Keith and I are going to have a vicious fight about flags, and hopefully you're going to referee that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you uh, came to, uh, to, to fall in love with the flag?
3: Well, I appreciate flags first as travel mementos. I collect the flags of places I've traveled to, and the more I travel and the more flags that I got, the more interested I got in studying flags. I I want to give you a couple words here. Vexillology is the study of flags, and that comes from the word vexillum in Latin, meaning flag, and ology in Greek, meaning study of. There's also a word vexillography, which is the design of flags. And as we study these, it's vexillology. But if we're talking about their design and improving them, that's vexillography. And we get into uh, discussions in the flag world of whether we're just studying them or whether we're actually trying to actively uh, improve them. So good flag, bad flag, which is our booklet on flag design, is actually vexillography, which is saying, here's how to design a great flag. So I'm looking forward to talking with you about these.
2: Okay, so why don't you tell us, I know that you have sort of a, a, a theory of flags. You have five ground rules to, uh, to help design a good flag. So, so tell us what those rules
1: are.
3: Yes, uh, several years ago, I compiled the best flag design thinking from about 20 different scholars in the flag world, and they had common themes. And these are the five basic principles of flag design. First, keep it simple. A flag should be so simple that a child can draw it from memory. The second is, use meaningful symbolism. The flag's images, its colors, uh, the patterns should relate to what it symbolizes. The third is, just use two to three colors, and they should be the basic ones from the flag color chart. And they should contrast well. You shouldn't put dark colors next to dark colors, for example. The fourth, which isn't a big issue in national flags, but it is in state and, and city flags, Don't use lettering or seals on your flag. Never use writing of any kind on an organization's flag because that can't be seen at a distance anyway. And the fifth one is be distinctive. You might have a flag that meets all the other four criteria, but it's already taken by somebody else. But if you want to show a connection or solidarity or heritage with another group and do that through your flag your flag can be similar to the other flag. So simplicity, meaningful symbolism, few colors, no lettering or seals, and distinctiveness are the five basic principles of flag design.
2: But there are flags that can be exceptions to these rules and still uh, be
3: uh, pleasing flags, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All rules have exceptions. Uh, South Africa's flag, for example, uh, designed in 1994 by one of our uh, great vexillologist Fred Brownell has six colors on it, but it's incredibly meaningful because the six colors are three from the colonial masters, the Dutch and the, and the British, red, white, and blue, and three from the African National Congress, yellow, green, and black. And combining those shows how South Africa had a new vision for its future, uh, reflecting both of those pasts.
2: And spoiler alert, uh, South Africa is a flag, one of the few, where Akiva and I are really on the same page. Uh, we have very, very similar rankings. So what we did is Akiva and I both ranked uh, 195 flags. We we took uh, every member state of the UN, that includes two uh, non-voting, uh, which are uh, the Vatican, uh, the Holy See, and and, uh, and Palestine, the Palestinian uh, organization, uh, so we do not include, for example, no Kosovo, no England, no Puerto Rico, no Wales, which is a great flag. Uh, Kiev is a huge supporter of ISIS, but uh, we do not have ISIS ranked today. So sorry. Hey, hey, hey <laughs> so Ted, you see what you're getting? Oh, so listen, at? we had to we had, we had to draw a line somewhere. We have 195. That's quite a lot. So um, you know, I, I just want to jump in. There's there's a number of flags where Akiva and I have really big disagreements in our rankings, and so I thought we, we'd start with those. and And Ted, you sort of give us your perspective. We, we'll each uh, we'll each uh, be the lawyer and tell you why we like or dislike this flag, and then you tell us uh, who's right and who's wrong. So I'm going <laughs> to start <weird>. with the <laughs> I'm going to start with two flags, which are the biggest gap where Akiva loves them and I hate them, and that is uh, Bahrain and Qatar. So uh, Akiva has Qatar at 17 and Bahrain at 34. Uh, right off the bat, I have issue with them being 17 spots apart because these flags are basically identical. And here's where I probably should say, and I should have said this at the top, uh, Podcast is obviously an audio medium, and this <laughs> this topic today is going to be heavily visual. So uh, I will include in the show notes a link to uh, the images of all uh, 195 flags. So uh, those who are listening, if you're driving or something, obviously don't do so. But but if you uh, safely can can look at the flags as we're discussing, that'll be better because uh, otherwise it'll be a lot harder. But I'll try and describe them briefly. Qatar and Bahrain, they both have flags where the left third of the flag is white. The right two thirds of the flag is red, and then they have sort of a zigzag separating the red and the white. So I have, uh, to me, these are are very boring flags, and there's nothing particularly uh, you know representative or, or unique about them. So I have, um, I have them actually just directly ahead of flags that are also red and white, half and half, but with no zigzag, which are Poland, Indonesia, and 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 Monaco, which we can get to later. But I have Bahrain at number one eighty-seven. Cutter at 186. It's slightly better because its shape is a little more unusual, and the red is a little bit darker, a little more of an unusual red. So uh, Bahrain and Cutter, uh, 186 and 187 for me. But Akiva, you have them at 34 and 17. So tell me, Akiva, why are these such good flags, in your opinion?
1: To me, because we just spent a lot of time, Alex, looking at 195 different flags, and one thing that really, uh, you know, one of the main themes, and I'd re- be very interested in hearing Ted's opinion on this, is that the most common flag. Is basically three colors, you know, vertically or 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 uh, you know either either left to right or up to down or I guess you could look at it either way. Basically, a tricolored flag that you know might be meaningful and is very nice to that country, but is basically the replacement level flag, right? So I one of the things I was looking for was originality, and to me the Bahrain flag is so interesting because you have like the you have like the Pac Man like spikes you know, the white spikes going into the red. To me, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a cool flag. Um,
2: look, I, I agree with you that the, the tricolor is sort of replacement level flag. And I have those all ranked, you know, b- well below average for sure. And within that, obviously there's a little bit of a range, but to me, this is worse than a tricolor because it's, it's a bicolor. It's only two and it just, it, it just, it doesn't appear. I don't know. It just, it almost doesn't even look like a flag to me, but uh Ted, what's your take on Bahrain and Qatar?
3: So with a big caveat that all of this is opinion, um, uh, point to Akiva here. Uh, These flags, Bahrain and Qatar, are very distinctive flags. No other national flags look like this. So when you see them at a distance or in any flag use, you know it's one of those two flags. Those countries are very closely related and their flags reflect each other. And so there's some confusion between them. But no other flags have that very interesting field division of the serrated edge uh separating the white from the red or the or the maroon so a point to akiva for distinctiveness uh i don't agree at all that it's too simple and it's very different from a vertical bar which might be uh uh, uh symmetrical the the uh, division is is set off towards the hoist Very distinctive flag, and so I think it. Now Qatar came
1: first, right? So in theory, if we were really going to re rank them based on originality, right? Doesn't Qatar get the originality points because their flag predates Bahrain?
3: Uh, You could you could (laughs) do it that way, yes. Um, uh, The the uh, the other cool thing about Qatar is, or Qatar, I guess is how it's pronounced, is it has the most unusual proportions of any national flag, the longest proportions. The official proportions are eleven units high and 28 units wide.
2: Yeah, and that's why to me it was a little higher than Bahrain. While I appreciate the fact it is unique, uniqueness in and of itself I don't think is inherently a virtue if it's not aesthetically pleasing. And to me, it's, you know, there's these aren't aesthetically pleasing and and maybe i would have Qatar higher if not for bahrain having come and copied it as akiva says but um you know unfortunately for Qatar, bahrain did do that and so it makes them them both less unique because there's another one just like it uh, all right so but uh ted ted is on Akiva's side on those two all right so let's get to uh the
1: well can we uh, can we yeah. back up for one second i want to ask ted a a a, a a a more general question which is so ted we discussed the the you know, the the very common sort of the tricolored flag with no emblem, you know, equidistant on... I I don't know if there's a better uh, way to describe them, but I I want to know your general opinion on sort of the basic flag.
3: Yes, uh, and uh, full disclosure, my son, Mason, when he was 13, presented a paper at the International Congress of Flag Studies on tri-bar flags, and so he's one of the experts on flags with three stripes. It's either... Do you know how many there (laughs) are off the top of your head? How many national flags? About 40% of national flags are tri-bars. Horizontal or vertical tri-bars. And it's actually uh, uh, the standard flag from the 1600s and 1700s was to take the livery colors of the ruling dynasty. Usually these were kingdoms, not nations. uh, And Put those colors from their coats of arms into flags, and the very standard, uh, standard—I guess that's a, a play on words—the standard standard is the Dutch flag of red over white over blue, which was a model for many other national flags. It's a very compelling design that, if you know the colors, if you know the flag, you can recognize it in many uses and at a distance and so it's a very effective flag uh it's interesting to note historically that in the french revolution the the revolutionaries wanted to upend everything about the traditions in europe and so they changed the stripes on their flag from horizontal stripes to vertical stripes it was the first time that vertical stripes were used on a national flag and they used the colors of the city of Paris, blue and red, and the colors, color of the monarchy, white, and made the, the blue, white, red flag that we know of France today as a vertical tricolor. And there's tremendous meaning in the verticality. It means it's upending what was going on in Europe at the time. So I would challenge the notion that some people have that uh, tribars are boring. They're actually just a basic design, that is very useful in transmitting meaning through through the colors uh, to represent a, a country.
2: All right. Now, I'm glad you brought up uh, the Dutch because that's actually the next uh, argument we're going to have is about the Netherlands in a second. But I, I just want to ask you a question, Ted. You mentioned your son. Uh, as we said, you know, a, a, a large part of the year, we're primarily a football podcast. We know that a lot of uh, football players and former football players are now saying they would not let their kids play football because of all the risks, uh, you know, especially uh, uh, to the brain that can be caused by playing football. I assume there's not a similar thing in the vexillology game where fathers don't uh, want to withhold their children from uh, from uh, becoming vexillologists because of the potential of uh, any uh, mental injuries?
3: I think the mental injury probably occurred first, and that's what led them to be vexillologists. <laughs> <laughs> my... my...
2: A genetic My wife component.
3: likes to say that it's vexillology because it's vexing and silly.
2: <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. The, the next big disagreement Akiva and I have is uh, is the Netherlands and Luxembourg. So uh, my first issue with them is that they have basically an identical flag. Uh, Akiva has Luxembourg all the way at number 21. He has Netherlands at 50, whereas I have Luxembourg at 169 and Netherlands at 173. And the reason specifically among all the, the, the tricolor flags, you know, there's many of them. The reason I have Netherlands basically at the very bottom, even as you said, in the 17th century, it's one of the oldest, one of the first, is because today the Netherlands... Uh, uh, primarily is identified with the color orange. Orange is the nickname of their soccer team. Um, you know, uh, the House of Orange was one of the primary uh, components that uh, you know the formed the, the the modern country of the Netherlands. And so, to me, it's stupid that this country, which has—and uh, I say stupid—I should be clear that uh, we're going to say things that probably in this podcast that are offensive to our various nationalities, and Ted is not responsible for any of our uh, impolitic statements. And
1: again, we're we're only raising the flags. We're not. We have. we you know, we have no opinions on the actual countries. That and we're, we're totally we're ignorant. Also, to be clear. Yes. But anyways, my issue
2: with My issue with the Netherlands is you have a flag, uh, it's red, white, and blue, a country that at least today is primarily seen by many people, certainly in the sports world, uh, through the color orange. They have no orange on their flag. And then Luxembourg is a country right next to them that has an exact identical flag. So to me, any tricolor flag... It's not
1: identical. Luxembourg has baby blue. Netherlands has the same sort of shade of blue right, dozens of other flags.
2: Okay, so, well, at Luxembourg I have slightly higher, but they're both red, white, and blue flags, you know, red bar, white bar, blue bar. And to me, any tricolor bar cannot be in the top half of flags because they're so uh, ununique and repetitive and especially the Netherlands whose color is orange so Akiva why do you have two uh, you know to me boring tricolor flags in the top 50 and Luxembourg almost in the top 20
1: Well, I'm, again I guess I, part of it is like are you part you know the reason why this is so subjective is like are you partial colors like I guess I love the color baby baby blue and like there are more flags than you know people would think uh, Tanzania has some um, There's there, there's there's an interesting shade in Djibouti who has uh, that has baby blue palau? So I'm much higher on all like the light blue shades than you are. Oh, um, but
2: and you're a big soccer fan, I, I know that. So I'm sure when you think of of the Netherlands of the Dutch, you think of orange. So what's with well, what so the flag? An interesting
1: point. At, I, I also I want to ask like Ted. I don't know if you're a big Olympics guy, but one of uh, particularly in the Winter Olympics, a lot of times you'll see an athlete. Um, about to win a race and it's not close, so they can actually stop in the crowd and say cross country skiing or biathlon or order combined and take a flag and sort of ski to the finish line with their flag. So one of my main criteria is like are you know, is this a is this a memorable and cool flag to sort of drape around yourself and you know and, and sort of dance around after you've won a medal in in, in the Olympics or in, or or you know after you've won you know the world cup or something like is this flag does this flag lead to good uniforms does it does it have you know cool cool jerseys in soccer or or sort of like the olympic sports especially in the cold weather where you're wearing sort of a full bodysuit so your netherlands thing is interesting cuz as you said they they almost like disavow their flag for their national colors and their orange uruguay does that too right the uruguayan uh, jerseys have nothing to do with their flag and if you're really hardcore you know that slovenia has like a really interesting shade of green on all of their international uniforms but i don't that's not what their flag looks like at all
2: okay so that all having been said why do you have netherlands at 50 which means it's in the top you know uh, quarter of flags
1: i don't know i don't know we're <laughs> nitpicking on, on the tricolors let's let's talk some of the non-tricolor
3: flags uh, i
1: just want to hear ted's perspective
3: well, well, let me let me ju- let me jump in and, and uh, give you a little history on Netherlands versus Luxembourg, because it does mm-hmm. inform your discussion. Uh, you are right that the national sporting color of the Netherlands is orange. And that's because the ruling family is the House of Orange. That's their name. And in fact, the Dutch flag started out being orange, white, blue that was called the prince's flag it was used in the second half of the 16th century when the dutch provinces revolted against spain and their leader was william of orange and so the prince's flag was orange white blue but the problem was the orange faded too much and it was hard to distinguish at a distance The, the the dye technology at the time didn't support orange and so the orange evolved into being red but originally it was orange. So the Dutch flag did in fact rep- represent that orange color of the, of the kingdom. The, Luxembourg has a similar flag because it was one of the seven provinces of, of the Netherlands. That, that's a similarity to show the connection between Luxembourg's history and the Netherlands. It is unfortunate that the only true difference between those flags is the shade of blue because that light blue uh unless it's really light can easily be confused with the netherlands but there are historical reasons for those two flags looking similar and and for the netherlands not to have orange on the on its flag
2: all right so let's uh, jump to and i know akiva said he loves baby blue so that might be the explanation here but uh at number 180 and 181 on my list, uh, near the bottom are Somalia and Micronesia. And the reason for that I, I have these flags so low, to be frank, is these basically look like they're flying UN flags. It doesn't look like a, like a national flag. It almost looks like this was a country that had, and again, Totally ignorant here. It may not be at all accurate, but the perception when I see this flag is this must have been a country that had a lot of issues internally. The UN had to come and sort of take over things. And then when it was time to choose a national flag, they said, well, let's just take the UN flag and put a star on it. Um, and so that's why uh, Somalia, to me, and Micronesia, they're both light blue flags. Uh, With uh, Somalia has one star in the center. Micronesia has four stars uh, forming a diamond in the center. But uh, to me, both of these flags are just when I look at them, I think UN. I don't think you know Somalia or Micronesia. So that's my problem. Uh, Kiev, you have these both in the top fifty, so you seem to be uh, more. Is it just the, the baby blue that you like?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a good look, but I agree it doesn't tell you a lot about the country or historically. So I'd love to, and obviously it's it's two countries, you know, not not really near each other. It's not like they have, you know. So I I'd be very curious what sort of Ted's take on Micronesia and Somalia are.
3: I, I, I give the points to uh, uh, to Akiva on that one. I think we need to go back to, well, what's the flag for? The flag's purpose is to immediately rep- be recognizable as representing the country when seen as a di- at a distance or flapping or, or on a TV screen for the, the rankings of the, of, of the ski jumpers. Uh, you're, you're, I think you're both trying to put a little bit too much into the flag uh, beyond its basic purpose, which is identification. And if you stick with the identification, a white star on a light blue background or or a, a ring of white stars is very distinctive among other national flags. Vietnam has a yellow star on a red background. That's obviously not going to be confused with Somalia. And uh, uh, Morocco has a, a star-like image, a, a, a pentagram. Uh, a green one on a red background, that's not going to be confused with Somalia. So in terms of what can represent Somalia instantaneously through a flag, that design is very effective. And so getting back to what, what's, our, what's our criteria, what are our criteria? The basic criterion is identifiability and recognizability at a distance.
2: Okay, so let's get to one that is very visible at a distance. And so far, we've mentioned all flags that I have very low. Akiva has much higher and Ted has been on Akiva's side. Uh, uh, Ted, uh, uh, not hating on flags the way I am. But let's say a flag that is one of my favorite flags and Akiva has dead last. He didn't even want to rank it. He said it doesn't even count as a flag. Um that is the country of Nepal. To me, Nepal the shape alone it wins it for this one. Uh my only issue with with the Nepalese flag is that it has a border around it. I, I'm not usually a fan of borders on flags. Uh you know a, f- a flag should be, you know, should be seen as flapping in the wind not, you know, a uh, carpet on a floor. So um a border I don't usually like, but I love the Nepalese flag. It's so unique. There's a couple of of state flags for example that are pennant shaped, but the double pennant is such a unique shape. Uh no one will ever confuse the Nepalese flag for anything. It also reminds me, and again, did no research, don't know if this is intentional, but to me, it looks like two mountains. And of course, Nepal is, you know, uh, you know right one of the most mountainous regions in the world. And so it, it evokes Nepal to me in multiple ways. I love Nepal. Kiev, uh, you don't even want to consider it a flag.
1: Well, it's not that I don't consider it a flag. It's, it's, aesthetically, it, most of it is very nice. I ranked it as incomplete because I said uh, they need to finish it. It's only
2: half done. Because <laughs> you need it to be a square or a rectangle?
1: Well yeah, it's it's almost like it's it's playing a different sport than the other hundred and ninety Okay, countries.
2: so who said who said that they had to follow your rules?
1: No, they don't. Listen, they didn't they didn't consult me at all when they made this flag. They were
2: probably- and before we turn to Ted for a second, <laughs> let's talk about one other country which is Eritrea. Eritrea has uh, to me a great flag, but I would argue it would be even better. If they ditched, and again, you got to be looking at this flag as we're talking about. If they ditched the green and the blue and just went for the red pennant with the yellow uh, uh, plant in it, because again, the pennant is relatively unique, and when you got 195 countries, you got to stand out. So I wish Eritrea just went for the pennant without the green and the blue. And Nepal, well, well, I I like the Eritrean flag. Yeah, yeah,
1: but
3: um, let's 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 have Ted. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure
1: he's going to (laughs) agree with me.
3: (laughs) Well, first, let's describe the. Nepali flag for the listeners who can't see it uh imagine uh, a flag that's two pennants that have run together so two triangular pennants a one over the other so it's kind of a zigzag pattern on the on the hoist uh, on the fly or the right hand side uh and it's uh straight on the left hand side and on those two tri- overlapping triangles are images of the moon and the sun and bordering on the uh outside of the flag uh, is a a thin blue uh, stripe. Um, So that's the Nepali flag. And uh, you you were right. Some people think that that represents mountains. It's really a simplified combination of two single pennants that were flown together and got seen as a single flag and eventually got combined into a single flag. And yes, you were right. It's the only non-rectangular national flag. It's got real positives and a couple negatives. The negatives are that it those points on the 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 triangles, so the points of the pennant uh, shapes wear very much in the in the wind. They they suffer a lot when they flap. So they need repair quite often. But on the positive side it is distinctive. No other national flag has that shape and so when you see it even if you can't see anything on the flag the shape itself telegraphs that it, that it's nepal so that that gives it a a, a positive uh, aspect the neg the other negative is how big do you make that flag when you're flying it with other flags uh it's it's really got a vertical uh orientation because it's taller than it is long um uh, uh, all the rest of the flags are shorter than they are long. Uh, at the United Nations, the uh, flags, independent of the official proportions, they're all the same length, um, with the exception of the the square flags of uh, uh, Switzerland and Vatican City. But the challenge is: well, how how big do you make the the Nepali flag? Do you make it as long as the other flags? Then it'd be it would be huge. Do you make it shorter? Uh, and I, I can't remember how they resolved it at the UN, but that creates a problem anyway in it. But overall, it gets points for uh, distinctiveness that outweigh the other objections. So I think this is, uh, this is Alex's uh, point on this one.
2: So the Qatari flag, for example, at the UN, we don't even see sort of the unusually extra long length? That's correct. It loses this one of its most distinctive characteristics. Interesting.
3: Well, before, before you end, you, you said you liked the idea of Eritrea, Uh, which has a red triangle in it uh, with a point going towards the fly. And then the rest of the rectangle is filled in green above it and blue below it. And you like the idea of making it just a pennant. The problem with that is pennant shaped flags are generally used for maritime purposes, especially yacht clubs. And it would be kind of a demotion to have a flag that's the shape of a yacht club instead of a country. And so for that reason, I would argue that it's not a good idea for Eritrea just to have the, the pennant. Ohio is the only U.S. state that is pennant-shaped, but it's actually a swallowtail. It's got two points, and so it's less likely to be confused with uh, a yacht club. And it's also kind of uh, stubby. It's not long and, and pointy, and so it's a very distinctive shape also that uh, can be easily distinguished from a uh, other uses of pen and shape flags.
1: Do you have uh, Ted, uh, you know, we're, we're talking national flags, but I guess briefly, do you have a favorite and or least favorite of the U S state flags?
3: Um, Oh, I, 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 would go with, uh, the winner of our, our, uh, survey. We did a survey of state flags, uh, several years ago, state and provincial flags in the United States and Canada. And, um, uh, New Mexico's design one as the, as the, the best uh, at the time the worst one was the flag of georgia which was a short-term flag it was changed soon thereafter but it, it was a compromised flag trying to get the confederate battle flag off of the state flag but it didn't remove it completely it just made it one fourteenth 14th the size so it it made both sides mad the ones that wanted to get the confederate battle flag off were mad because it was still on there and the ones that wanted to keep it were mad because it was shrunken to a smaller a smaller one. But I, I can't tell you what my least favorite U.S. state flag is because 24 out of 50 U.S. state flags have a seal on a blue background. They're virtually yeah, very similar from each other. And so it's a race to the bottom.
2: And Belize, by the way, Belize is the only national flag that looks like that. And my comment was it looks like a like a mediocre U.S. state flag.
3: Uh, that's a pretty good characterization. The reason there is a historical reason for that, and uh, uh, that's because in the massive wave of state flag adoption that happened in the second half of the uh, 1800s and the early 1900s, most uh, of those flags were based on militia or regimental flags. So the the state would say, "Well, what flag already represents us? Oh, it's our state, uh, our, our you know the first North Dakota regiment." Let's just use that as the flag. And the standard regimental flag in the Union Army was a blue a background with a, with a seal on it. And so that translated into all these uh, uh, SOB flags, as we call them, seal on a bed sheet. Hmm. The California flag
1: is really, I feel like that's having a day also. I feel like that's sort of becoming.
2: And it's an exception to the rule because it says, you know, Republic of California on it, but it's still a cool flag, I think.
3: Well, California's flag was designed by a bunch of drunken <laughs> Americans who were revolting against Mexican rule, including uh, Mary Todd Lincoln's cousin, I believe, Robert Todd, or, or uh, William Todd. Um, and uh, they were declaring themselves a, a Republican. And that flag is actually a, a, historic, a historical relic that is now replicated in the state flag. And so from a design perspective, of course, we'd say you don't need to write California Republic on it. But from uh, the perspective of honoring the past and the history of that flag, it's a uh, it's a facsimile of a historic object.
2: You mentioned how the pennant is uh, typically, uh, you know, a maritime flag. And it's interesting, there's three countries that, to me, and, and they're all island countries, so I guess that makes sense. My comment to these three flags was that they all looked almost more like, uh, you know, a flag you would see belonging to like like a boat company, or a flag you'd see on like a, as a logo to like a, a polo shirt than a national flag. One of them I won't mention right now because it's Kyiv's number one overall flag, and we're trying to build some drama for the end of this this podcast. But the other two, Solomon Islands and Cape Verde, both of them to me, like you know, you know, we start with the Solomon Islands flag, for example uh akiva has it at number 44 i have it at 124 it just it, you know maybe because it's sort of that pen and shape so that's why but to me it looks like it doesn't look like a national flag it, it seems almost like as i said almost like a like like a logo you'd find on a, on a on a polo shirt and and then cape verde is even almost a better example i think because i mean it, it really looks it, it it it's it's pleasing somewhat i don't dispute that but it looks like it's uh it belongs on like a on a ralph lauren shirt kind of
3: so let's describe those. The Solomon Islands flag uh, is divided from the lower left to the upper right with a yellow diagonal stripe, and the upper left corner uh, is blue, and the lower right is green. And in the upper left is five stars. Our five stars uh, arranged sort of like on 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 a on a die, um, uh, white stars, and the the uh, Cape Verde. Uh, flag is a dark blue flag with a stripe across the lower half that's uh, uh, in three parts, white, red, white, a horizontal stripe. And then uh, on top of that stripe is a ring of, I guess, about eight or ten uh, uh, gold stars that are pretty hard to see, actually, uh, which uh, makes it a, a less attractive flag. But the fact that the stripe is offset downward makes it look unusual, and I think that's what what uh, drew your uh, negative aesthetic review of it.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about a flag that I think is interesting because I think it meets all your rules for a good flag, but yet Akiva and I both have it. We have it ranked almost identical. I have it at 132. He has it at 127, so we're almost identical. Uh, the flag is Greece. Greece is definitely iconic, it's definitely unique, it's definitely it's only two colors, it's simple to draw, doesn't have words, doesn't have emblems, a child could draw it, um, it, it almost looks, you know, the, the upper left almost looks like Finland, it, it's a white cross on a blue a square, almost sort of the size and shape of like, where the American, where the blue uh, square is with the stars, and then it has blue and white alternating stripes, again like the American flag, um, but there's something, and maybe Akiva can explain also why, even though it, it follows all the rules, I just, aesthetically, I don't like the Greece, uh, the Greek flag, what about you Akiva?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I, I didn't rank it high, but I don't. I, to me, it's a pretty average flag. I I agree. You know, if it, again, if you're like looking on, you know, just a very brief look, you see, oh, that's the Greece flag. It's not. It, it, you can't easily mistake it for something. I don't know if it's a symmetry thing with the white and the blue, like from up to down. I'm not sure. But let, let's hear what someone who actually knows this stuff has to say. Well, Ted, what do you think about Greece? <coughs>
3: Well, I need to challenge your basic premise, which is you are starting to make aesthetic judgments about these flags.
2: Oh, that's all we're doing today. <laughs> and,
3: well, <laughs> It's what I like. <laughs> beauty, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and far be it for me. And it's your job is to say which eye is better today. <laughs> <laughs> well, far be it for me to tell you what's more beautiful or more, more pleasing aesthetically. My role is to help you understand how the basic principles help the flags meet their basic purpose, which is identifiability and recognizability. Um, now, I can I can share my aesthetic opinions as well, and I'll mix them as we respond. But my, my point is that if we just if we're talking about aesthetics, there there's no way to judge winners and, and losers. But uh, <laughs> uh, the Greek flag, let me let me.
2: Uh, I mean, uh, Ted, I'll, I'll just interrupt to say that there's uh, there's one individual who, uh, uh, part of his rise to fame, and now, uh, for better or for worse, um, emphasis on the letters in the White House, is judging aesthetics of people. So at least we're only judging flags.
3: <laughs> well, that works for some. Uh, yeah. The Greek flag <laughs> is very distinctive. There, There's no other national flag that has both that cross in the corner and the stripes. In fact, the the, the last time there was a a flag around that i can think of that looks similar to that it's the what we call the grand union flag the predecessor to the national flag of the united states which had the british union jack in the corner and the uh, red and white stripes in the field also known as the continental colors uh, but greece's flag um, is distinctive none of the other national flags have that design so even if it were in grayscale you could recognize it and also the color blue is this medium blue not a dark blue and that's very, very much associated with Greece. If you've ever been to a Greek restaurant, you know, they always have that same blue and white color scheme. And so the, yep. the Greek flag wins on 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 uh, on the on that scale. Aesthetically, I can't judge it. But let me just share an, an anecdote. A couple of years ago, I was honored to be asked to be the technical advisor to the National Flag Committee of Fiji. And I was named a member of that committee when it looked at possible replacements for the current national flag of Fiji. And I led the uh, committee of of 12 other members through an exercise to uh, evaluate what they thought should be the criteria for a national flag. And what I did to start that exercise was to put a poster up on the wall of all the national flags. And I purposely put it uh, far enough away from the table where the committee was meeting. So they had to sort of crane their necks to see the flags. And then I asked, which flags do you like the best? And uh, only the best designed flags popped out that they could actually recognize them and uh, and name them. And so they were naming Japan and Canada and Germany and Greece because they could identify those at a distance. And so that's a, a, a pretty good uh empirical support for this way of judging the flags so with my uh uh, uh declining to participate in aesthetic judgments uh i i would support uh, the uh the high ranking of greece
2: now, spoiler alert uh, you mentioned Fiji that's my dead last flag and, and my note was someone really needs to uh, form a committee to fix this one uh, why don't you what, what is the what is the status of uh, the, the the Fijian efforts to uh, get a better flag
3: they are suspended at this point uh, a couple things happened the first was the uh, government I think underestimated the uh, public relations challenge of proposing and undergoing flag change in a country they did not quite understand that people tend to prefer the familiar however bad or or inappropriate the familiar is there is a psychological uh concept called the mere exposure effect which holds that people prefer things they're used to and that uh applies to food and music and faces and flags. The other thing that happened was uh, Hurricane Winston went through or, or Cyclone Winston went through and heavily damaged uh, the Fijian islands and the focus of the government moved from flag change to recovery. And so More important things. <laughs> put that effort on hold.
2: Well, and so, it, you know, you, br- you bring up sort of uh, the climate change as a risk to Fiji. Tuvalu is another country whose, frankly, entire existence is threatened by global warming, and uh, so they may have more important things to worry about as well. But Tuvalu's flag is, is very similar to Fiji. The only redeeming characteristic is it doesn't have a complicated emblem. Instead, it has you know a series of nine uh, stars, which, um, I w- again, knowing nothing, I will assume that they're in the layout of how the islands of Tuvalu are formed. Otherwise, they seem quite random on the flag. Has there been any discussion in Tuvalu that you know of to uh, update their flag?
3: I, I don't know of any discussion in Tuvalu. Um, there are four remaining national flags that use the Union Jack in the upper left-hand corner in the Canton. That's Fiji, uh, Tuvalu, Australia, and New Zealand. And I I know that there have been recent efforts in three out of four, uh, Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, but I don't know about Tuvalu. Uh, the, The problem, of course, is it implies that the country is a colony of Great Britain uh, or of the United mm. Kingdom. And and that's an inaccurate uh, implication. And that, of course, was what led Fiji to want to change its flag uh, because of its uh, fractious uh, relations with the United Kingdom in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, but also that's led to the same enthusiasm in New Zealand and Australia, where some people are monarchists, some people are Republicans, but the idea that they get perceived as a colony uh, means that the flag change is something that many people support.
2: You know, one interesting thing, as Keith and I were going through 195 flags and ranking them all, is is you pick up on trends in, in regions of the world. So, for example, uh, much, not all, of course, but much of the air world has flags based on uh, the four-color scheme of black, white, red, and green, and much of Africa – has a scheme based on red, yellow, and green. Um, now, there are exceptions. For example, Liberia is a country which was, you know, a- although in Africa it was, it was, it was formed uh, out of America almost, it was uh, former slaves who, who, came, uh, who returned to Africa and formed their own country. And so their flag, in a sense, almost looks like an American flag with one star. To me, a flag I really, really love and a flag that Akiba was not very high on is Togo. Togo is the same design as Liberia, but with Africanized colors. And to me, it's a great example of how you can have a flag that mirrors so many others, but is still unique and excellent because so many of the African flags are a tricolor, red, yellow, green with maybe a star somewhere. They're very repetitive. But Togo is the upper left corner is a red square with a white star. And then it has yellow and green stripes across. And it's, it's 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 a it's a it's a model we understand especially as americans but it's but the colors are different and to me togo is just it's a really unique and fantastic flag but cuba cuba doesn't really like it so much so i like why not i think
1: i do think the red clashes with the I, I love the yellow i love the green i think the red clashes with it a little bit but let's hear what ted says. well those are the african colors though i mean <laughs> no but i the way it's it's sort of it's coming out the middle it's
3: almost like it's photoshopped over the flag
1: the red star <laughs> um part
3: of that's an aesthetic judgment but uh the use of yellow, red, and green in African flags, uh, most specifically West African flags, shows the the common heritage and the solidarity among those countries. And it also reflects uh, the history of Africa. Uh, those colors honor the flag and come from the flag of Ethiopia, which is the only country in Africa that was never colonized by European powers. And so Ethiopia has a very strong meaning to the rest of Africa in terms of independence. And so uh, even if you don't know which country the flag represents, if you see a flag that's red, yellow, and green, you can be pretty confident that it's in West Africa. And you're right, Togo is an unusual uh uh, arrangement of the components it's not a a tri-bar or or uh uh uh, some other geometric geometric combination of stripes it's actually stripes with a, a canton um personally aesthetically i would have not used a white star but probably a yellow star to keep it to three colors but togo uh combines the best of both the the common colors of west african flags And an unusual design. So, high
2: points to Togo. Myanmar, which is in, you know, formerly known as Burma, which is, uh, you know, near Thailand and Vietnam in East Asia, has a flag that if you didn't know, you would assume is an African flag with red, yellow, and green, and then a white star across it. So, it almost seems like the the Myanmarian flag is in the wrong part Uh, of the world. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I'd say the same with Lithuania, which you know, Lithuania has an African tricolor, basically, and obviously Lithuania, uh, nowhere near Africa. And, um, <laughs> and, and, ac- and uh, actually, uh, Tanzania is sort of the opposite in that it looks almost like Car- uh, Caribbean. And then you have St. Kitts and Nevis, those are islands in the Caribbean, and that their flag is also the red, yellow, and green, the, uh, the African color. So it's interesting when you have these countries that have a color scheme of a totally different part of the world.
3: That's right, and that and that uh, can can cause issues. There, there are times, uh, for example, um, uh, Haiti and Liechtenstein uh, at one point had exactly the same flag, and uh, Haiti had it first, and uh, Liechtenstein was uh, asked politely to change its flag so that it didn't look exactly like Haiti's flag.
2: And what did the Liechtensteinians say?
3: Uh, they put a crown on their flag to represent. <laughs> their, to classic, their
2: classic Liechtenstein. <laughs> yes. Uh, Akiva, you—that's uh, one of my least favorite flags, Liechtenstein. But you really like it, so or at least you have it in the top third. So why do you like Liechtenstein? Um,
1: I don't know. I, I wanted to ask Ted about Bhutan. What, what's your opinion on the, okay. on the on the on the? Would you call it a dragon on the Bhutanese flag?
3: Yes, yes. The Bhutan is a is a flag that's di- divided diagonally from the lower left to the upper right into two triangles. The upper left triangle is yellow, and the lower right is orange. So very unusual color combination there. And overlapping the diagonal line is a uh, white dragon uh, outlined in in black details. Uh, It's an unusual flag in that I don't think there are any official specifications for it. And every single Bhutanese flag that I've seen is different from every other one. They're sort of like snowflakes.
2: Snowflakes, yeah. (laughs) Um,
3: And I I have a a colleague, Michel Lupin, who's the president of the International Federation of vexillological Associations, who's done a study of Bhutanese flags. And he's found just this wide variation in how it's presented. We have this Western notion that the flag is one specific Thing, and it's always got to look exactly the same. Uh, but Bhutan actually is honoring the heraldic tradition. In heraldry, uh, a design is described in words and any, de- any depiction of those words that an artist makes is an accurate representation of the coat of arms. Even if the color shades vary or the size of things vary, um, it's the idea that's important, not the specific specifications. But Bhutan, I think I heard
2: you mention the same thing about Isis right where it looks a little different every time
3: uh, yes in, indeed there's there's some there's some homemade Isis flags uh, although it's interesting <laughs> to me to see uh, the, the photojournalism about Isis flags every single Isis flag that that shows up in uh, in uh, war coverage of the Middle East seems to be fresh out of the box uh, it's it's much more of a propaganda tool than uh, an actual marking of military vehicles or positions or, or things like that. They're breaking those new flags out just for the for the photographers uh, mm. when ISIS is using its flag. But Bhutan is a uh, an unusual country, of course, but it's a, also a distinctive flag. If you if you don't count Wales, which also has a, a a dragon on the flag, this dragon isn't is an unusual um an unusual charge and in fact most national flags don't have uh depictions of things on them it, it's an exception versus a rule uh usually the symbols uh if there are sim- uh, actual charges on flags they're they're stylized objects uh, stars and crescents and and uh, uh you know Barbados has a has a uh trident and Canada has a maple leaf but but they're not they're not realistic depic- depictions, uh, but Bhutan actually does have that. So that's that's unusual, too.
2: I mentioned at the top, you know, we, we don't count Wales because, you know, it's, it's part of uh, the United Kingdom. But Wales also has a dragon. And and maybe Key just, you know, uh, he's not a Game of Thrones fan the way I am, but he has Bhutan as one of the worst flags. I, even though the detail of the dragon makes it impossible to, to draw by a child or even recreate it all, as you said, everyone looks different. I really I think the Bhutanese flag has so much potential because the dragon just looks so badass he's awesome unfortunately the reason I don't have it as, you know in the top 10 or 20 is because the orange and yellow is not really much of a contrast and then the dragon isn't colored in it's just white and it almost looks like you know again the the, the scales need to be colored in but uh, uh, key really hates that flag
3: <laughs> I give points to Alex for Bhutan.
2: But I want to see one other country um, which is Kiev's second to worst flag after Nepal and this is in my top 20. I love this flag. It's Uganda. so Uganda first of all you know it, it does a double tricolor so that's a bit of a unique take. It almost looks like two German flags, one on top of the other and then it, it makes it a bit busy I'll grant that. And then in the middle of the flag it has this bird and the bird is is you know black gray, yellow uh, red, white too many colors and it's hard to recreate. But I really love the look of that bird aesthetically. So to me, Uganda, uh, a very pleasing flag and uh, definitely a unique flag. It's the only. It's the only um, flag with with a bird st- uh, staring at you in the middle of the flag. So what's your take on Uganda?
3: <laughs> yes, Uganda has six stripes: black, yellow, red, black, yellow, red horizontal stripes.
1: It's like a double German flag almost. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Although the German German flag has uh, has them in a different different order. Right. Um, it, the uh, it, and it has this white disc in the center that's quite small, and the image of the crested crane in the middle, uh, which is indistinguishable at a distance. And I think it's a wasted uh, 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 a wasted investment in flag construction to put it on there. The flag actually would be much better uh, from a design perspective of recognizability at a distance if that central disc were removed and it were simply those six stripes. Uh, those are the colors, by the way, of the Uganda People's Congress Party, which uh, brought Uganda to independence in 1962. It's very common in, in Africa that the African national flags represent the colors of the independence, uh, politics or, or, or fighters. Uh, but, uh, that crested crane would be great as part of its coat of arms. But uh, if it were truly an important piece of the flag, it should be made much bigger on the flag. Uh, let me back up and, and talk about what you were describing, and that is the uh, uh, the sports use of flags. Uh, we know mm-hmm. how the, the athlete who's just finished the the race and has won the medal and is uh, doing his victory lap or, or uh, running around at the bottom of the ski slope He's been, he or she has been handed the national flag and usually they, they flap it in the breeze or they wrap it around their shoulders. Um, you're generally not seeing the entire flag. You're seeing pieces of it. You're seeing the, the edges of the flag. And imagine that Uganda flag, that white disc in the center gets lost, but it's the stripes that, uh, that, you know, when the Uganda bobsled team wins, uh, it's the stripes that you're going to see, not that crested crane. The the other point that I'll make, again, a sports analogy, is when you're seeing the rankings of the top 15 people uh, who are currently competing for the the ski jump medal and, you know, number one is this person from Norway, number two is this person from Canada, number three is this person from, from such and such a country, and uh, on the left-hand side of that chart that shows up on the TV screen are the national flags. So you can quickly see there are the Norwegians, There are the Olympic athletes from Russia. There are the United States athletes. And those flags are really, really tiny on the TV set.
1: Yes, tiny. You could never see any symbols, correct?
3: Right. And imagine, you can't tell Australia from New Zealand in that tiny little image. And definitely, if Uganda was on that, uh, were on that list, you you wouldn't see that crested crane. So for me, a very good test of the uh, of the the uh, success of a national flag is how distinctive it's going to be on the TV chart for the rankings of athletes in Olympic events.
1: Oh, I love it. That's why that you know that's why the brazil maybe that's why brazilians are so good at sports it's so easy like that brazilian flag is so easy to see in the list of athletes
3: exactly and and brazil is is an interesting is is an interesting flag because on the one hand
2: they got words they're violating a lot of rules (laughs)
3: it's got words it's got very complex stuff to it but uh that's all confined to a central disk of blue that's in the center and in its simplicity the Brazilian flag is this wonderful combination of three different objects, three different colors overlaid over each other. So there's a green background, a green rectangle. And then within that green rectangle is a yellow diamond that doesn't quite go to the edges of the flag. So it's it's inside the borders of the flag, a green yellow diamond. And then on the yellow diamond is a blue disc. And dark blue disk. So dark blue on yellow diamond, on green, fantastic design. Nobody, no other national flag looks like that. Uh, if you want to get up close, you can see that the uh, blue disk has a ribbon across it that says, order them a progresso, order and in, in progress. And it has a bunch of stars on it, which actually have double meaning. Uh, there's a star for each state in the Brazil, because it's the United States of Brazil, and the stars are arranged to show what the sky looked like over Rio de Janeiro on the night of independence of Brazil in the 1800s. That's cool. I don't
4: want you to get in
2: trouble with the NRA here, but uh, I'm definitely on board with, uh, with with banning all with banning all guns, at least from flags. To me, when you have a weapon on your national flag, you're kind of not sending a message of of peace and prosperity to your neighbors. It's one thing to
3: you're going to talk about Mozambique, right? Yeah. Look,
2: it's one thing to have a sword or a knife, and I've heard some of these, you know, Second Amendment absolutists saying, "Oh, you know, you can also kill people with a sword. Should we ban those." But when you have a literally, when you literally have a Kalashnikov rifle on your national flag. The, the, the message I'm getting is this is like a corrupt third world dictatorship that is yeah, that is not going to be like the friendliest of neighbors. So, uh, you know, what's your take on having a, any kind of weapon? You know, there's a lot of there's a few Saudi Arabia also has 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 a, has a knife, for example. But sword. yeah, but, but Mozambique is going with the machine gun. So <laughs>
3: that's right. Uh, Mozambique has a, a AK-47 on on their flag crossed with a, a hoe or something like that.
1: And a book. There is a book. There is a book, to be There's fair. There's a lot going on. It's like somebody's living room in that
2: place. <laughs> the book might be a list of so, people they've shot, so I'm not sure.
3: <laughs> so uh, I'll answer this on two levels. First, uh, the easier answer is the design level. And the design level is those details of the the gun and other items that are in black, superimposed over a yellow star on a red triangle on the Mozambique flag, are indistinguishable at a distance. And they are worthless in terms of making an effective national flag design. So my take from a design standpoint is they're too small to matter. Take them off anyway. Uh, From the larger uh, issue of should a nation show weapons on its flags, uh, I will note that, yes, there are uh, uh, guns not just on Mozambique. Guatemala has uh, has. Eighteenth century or early nineteenth century rifles on its flag. Oh yeah, uh, cross harder them. to notice though. <laughs> uh, but They're also small and and ineffective from a design purpose. Uh, but also yes, there are swords uh, on on flags. There are spears on flags, like Swaziland uh, and shields. Uh, Kenya uh, has a shield and and uh, spears as well. Um, but. But, but
2: but if I can cut in here, I think that like, the Maasai shield on, on the Kenyan flag and, and, and also frankly on the Swaziland flag is not really it is part of their cultural heritage. You know the, the Maasai tribe, whereas a, 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 a machine gun on the Mozambique flag is not like the machine gun has I mean I'm, I'm sure it has had an unfortunate impact on that country's history, but it's not like it goes back you know, several generations or centuries.
3: Well, but I, I would say, who who am I to judge what Mozambique wants to use as representing
0: its uh,
3: its uh, culture? Um,
0: well, I'm sure there's some Americans who would like to stick
2: a big machine gun on our flag, also. But... Uh,
3: certainly, certainly. And if if a now the, the problem is, I don't think uh, the people of Mozambique voted on this. I think it's the the people who who yeah. gained, gained power who. Uh, uh, put the flag in place, and that's the usual course in uh, national flags. The The only time I've ever known that there was an actual plebiscite or referendum on a national flag was New Zealand a couple years ago, and the people by a narrow margin voted to keep the national flag and not uh, replace it uh, with a new proposal. But generally, it's the government that puts the flag design in place, and I think that's the case in Mozambique. But uh yes just as as a as a regular person uh I'm I will join it with the others who who kind of say well that's kind of weird to have an uh and a Kalashnikov on on your national flag but it's really their choice how they want to be represented there's an interesting corollary here in the United States uh do the citizens of Mississippi want to represent themselves with a Confederate Mm -hmm. battle flag as a major graphic component of their flag. I would argue that Mississippians get to choose what they use to represent themselves. The rest of us get to choose whether we like that or not. Um, And in fact, when Georgia had a big Confederate battle flag as two-thirds of its state flag, it was facing the the prospect of an NAACP called Boycott uh, for state conventions and uh, sporting events. And so if Georgians said, this is how we want to represent ourselves, that's their right. But others could say, if you represent yourself that way, here's how we're going to respond to you. In my state of Oregon, there is a display at the state capitol in Salem of, U.S. state flags. There are 50 flagpoles and there are 49 flags flying. The Oregon legislature now refuses to fly the state flag of Mississippi because it has a Confederate battle flag on it. Interesting challenge of how they want to represent themselves and how others respond to that representation.
1: That is interesting. I would say that uh, the Oregon legislature should also consider not flying the Maryland state flag, but for totally different reasons. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I have, uh, I have one. I have one more question for you. It's um, there's only three flags that I have in the top sixty with text on them. One is Brazil, which we already spoke about, and the other two are Saudi Arabia and Iran. Now, Saudi Arabia, and the reason I want to ask you about those two is Saudi Arabia actually violates two of my rules. It has both text and it has a weapon, and I have it at number 59. And then Iran has text as well, and it's actually text that's even hard to read because it's white on, on uh, shading into the white on white. Um, the reason that I have, and I have that one at 53, Akiva uh, has those two in his bottom five, so he hates Iran and Saudi Arabia. The reason I really like them, even though they have text... The flags. The flags. Yeah, yeah, the flags. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, you're totally supportive of the Iranian government. <laughs> wait,
1: wait, wait. Let's yeah. not get into governments
2: here. The reason that I like those two flags, even though they have text on them, is because to me, and you know, we can start with the Saudi flag it's text, but it's, it's very beautiful calligraphy, honestly. Um, it's, I'm sure it's hard to repeat also, um, uh, unless you're, you know, an Arabic calligrapher, but to me it's, 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 it's beautiful and artistic and it's not just, you know, block letters. And then Iran also, Iran on the one hand almost looks like a stereotypical, tr- uh, tricolor flag, you know, like the, the Italian, you know, in many, many other countries, red, white, and green. Um, and then, it ha- but then it has, the, and then it has a the symbol, of course, in the middle, but then it has this, this, this beautiful text that's, like calligraphy basically. And so in each case, to me, it's an exception to the rule because it's very beautiful and it's not just block letters. So what's your take? Can there be an exception to the no text rule?
3: Um, certainly there, there can be exceptions. Uh, let me talk about those in turn. Saudi Arabia's flag, uh, is interesting because for anybody who doesn't read Arabic, it's simply a, a beautiful piece of calligraphy. It, it, it does, you're not taking any meaning from it. Um, but there's also a, a, a subtle issue which has to do with any writing on flags. You need
2: like two flags back to back or something, right? <laughs> exactly.
3: Um, so, um, in, in Arabic, you read from right to left. So um, when uh, when the flag is seen on the other side, the flag actually needs to be replicated, not see-through. In other words, m- most of the, most of these national flags, you can sew them. And the back of the flag looks just like the front, only mirrored. Uh, You can't do that with Saudi Arabia, otherwise the writing would be backwards. So to actually construct a Saudi Arabian flag, uh, you need a double thickness or even a triple thickness uh, uh, flag, which makes it heavy, it doesn't fly very well, and it's expensive. And so there's a a fabrication argument against writing on flags. Whether it's Arabic or or uh, or Latin letters, uh, it makes the the structure and the fabrication difficult, and it also creates a problem. Uh, uh, there was an incident in in London recently where the Air, the Saudi Arabian flags were flown backwards because somebody didn't know which way they were they were supposed to to fly. Uh, the uh, uh, Iranian flag has the same same idea the same the inshallah uh, words uh, on it but written in very small text so it's really like a, a decorative fringe inside the flag from a distance you can't see it it just looks like a a, a, a white uh, or a, a whitish green blur uh, and from that standpoint it's not very successful uh, on on the flag uh, by the way the uh, the symbol in the middle I believe, represents some words, but it also represents some crossed swords. So there's a stylized swords on around for your, your previous discussion. Um, but uh, years ago when Georgia was considering a new flag for its state and, and as it was choosing the design that it ultimately uh, voted in as the current flag of Georgia, uh, one proposal was, um, the flag, the the uh, red, white, red bars with the blue field in the upper left-hand corner and the shield of, uh, a state shield of, of Georgia. And across the, uh, the central white bar in big red block letters was, this is in the proposal, In God We Trust. And uh, I advised the uh, Senate committee that was looking at that, that there were only three national flags that I knew of that had God on them uh Iran Iraq and Saudi Arabia and asked them to consider that um and uh, they they ended up following my suggestion which was to keep the phrase in God we trust but to move it into the canton the upper left-hand corner where there were other words already wisdom justice and moderation uh so they weren't blasting God uh, across the the center of their flag uh like these uh these uh um arab flags or middle eastern flags were i I don't want to call iran arab it's persian Uh, so i've I've given you a muddled response on this but i hope that's helped all
2: right well thank you so much uh for joining us ted i know we promised to be an hour at the most and, and we've kept you far longer than that already i know that you prefer not to do aesthetics but what is your favorite uh national flag personal favorite you
3: know people ask me that all the time and uh and my flip response is always the, the latest one that I've bought for my collection. But to be honest with you, I'd put Japan and Canada as the very top national flags. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the, and I think that the fact that I didn't have to describe those flags for your listeners is part yes. of the proof that they are great
1: national flags. True. Although we do have some very <laughs> dumb listeners, so you probably should have described. I think you I
3: probably don't have any dumb listeners. <laughs> there's, there's also an issue
2: of, to be frank, you know, countries that are that are you know that are wealthier and that have sort of larger roles in the world, their flags will be more recognizable. And there are some small countries with flags that might be able to compete, but they're just they don't have the same profile. Uh, Palau, for example, and. Bangladesh, they both have the same thing as Japan in that they have one color uh, flag and then a a separate color circle in the middle. The interesting thing about both Palau and Bangladesh is their circles are slightly off center. And the explanation that I've read is that yeah. the purpose is that when it's flying, it will look like it's in the center because when it's flat, the Japanese one is in the middle but when it's flying, it's off center. To me, I don't really love that because um, you know, unless you live in that country and you see flags flying all the time, I mostly see them as images in a book or a newspaper or, or on my computer screen or my phone. So, I mean, w- do you like this idea of Plow and, and uh, Bangladesh justifying their off center circle or should they stick with Japan and go right for the middle?
3: No, I, I, I go with the off center. There there are uh many aspects of flag design that lead us to put something slightly off center oriented towards the hoist. And that's because of the way not only flags fly, but also how they hang uh from a flagpole when when it's limp. And so you see most of the action uh on many flags towards the left hand side, towards the the mast. Uh, as opposed to towards the right. There's uh, another practical point here, and that is when flags are used and they flap in the breeze, they get wet, they get dirty, and they start to fray on the far end, the easiest thing to do is to cut off the frayed part and hem it again. (laughs) And the Japanese flag is immediately uh, off-center towards the fly, once it starts getting hemmed, but the Palau flag and the Bangladesh flag have some extra fabric on the end to work with, to uh, to hem. Uh, so, from a practical standpoint, it's good to have uh, a little bit of extra meat to the to the far right end of the flag. <laughs>
2: um, all right. So I'm going to uh, both Akiva and I have Japan and Canada are very high in our rankings, but Akiva slightly higher than me. So I, I guess he's going to be the the winner in in Ted's
3: perspective well i think that when you're you're judging about a uh, 200 flags the idea of a specific winner or top one two three uh is a little bit too precise i think you you have to look at the top 10 or the top 20. yeah ted this is it's hot <laughs> take season ted. we
1: have to we have to you know, I know First we need the spiciest like one winner. hottest possible takes you're coming in ted you're coming in with these facts and logic and information our <laughs> listeners they haven't heard it in a long time. I'm that's not sure what they tuned into this
2: podcast funny. for. Yeah, for sure.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave you with uh, with a comment. Uh, you know, the Swiss flag is this is the is the only national flag if you don't count the Vatican City that's a square rather than a an oblong rectangle um, and it's got a big white cross on a red background. Uh, so uh, the joke is, somebody asked Roger Federer uh, how he liked being from Switzerland, and he said, "Well, the flag is a big plus."
2: <laughs> and Roger Federer is like, yeah. like such a dad, so uh, that works as a dad joke.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is a dad joke, and he uh, does have a bunch of kids. That's All
2: right, well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much. This was really amazing. You really, you as Akiva says, our
2: listeners are going to be confused by 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 facts and, and logic and.
1: You taught us yeah. like honestly. There's like now, now I feel like I have so many follow-up questions and things to search. I'm, you know, like uh, we we could have done this for ten hours. But...
2: Well, Keith, buy buy good flag, bad flag.
3: It's been fun, and I look I look forward to the next round. Yes. All right, and so your
1: book is called Good Flag, Bad Flag, and it's available on Amazon.
3: Correct. It's a 16-page pamphlet, and uh, it is on Amazon for I think three bucks.
1: Wow. All right, thank you so much, Ted. I really, uh, We really appreciate your time. This was great.
3: We're happy to help. Okay, thank you very Ted. much. Talk to
2: you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, Akiva. So that was awesome. Ted has educated
2: us on a bunch of flags. I feel like uh, you were a bit too reticent to to fight with me in front of a guest who's actually you know, cultured and and educated, and knows what the hell he's talking about.
1: I mean, you're like making ISIS jokes and something. I don't know what this guy does. Like, he could be, you know, uh, he like I we're inviting him to our house, or you know, and and then we're sort of like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get racy. I, I feel like let's do that on our own right now.
2: Yeah, in my house, I act on my house. I act. Okay, fine. So let's let's jump right into the raciness.
1: Wait, can we can we can we give a shout out quickly before we get into the miscellaneous? Yeah. Before we get, Oh th- uh, so this idea was completely Colin Stone's. Colin Stone uh, dm me and said, "Hey, do you have do you guys have flag rankings?" It seems like a very thirty two fans thing, and I hadn't even thought about it. We people had mentioned a bunch of times if we ranked countries like all the countries in the world, yeah. but to me, there's there's really no upside in doing that. Yeah. Um, and obviously you would have had Iran first anyway. <laughs> but I think. The, uh, to me, like, there's no, um, you know, like, the, no one's getting hurt here, so this was such a fun idea, so uh, props to Colin Stone for thinking of it. Yeah, what were you Th- saying? Thank
2: you, Colin. Well, I want to say, so I was actually, I, I watched uh, Icarus, the documentary that won Best Picture, at the Os- uh, the Best Documentary at the Oscars last week. Have you seen it?
1: Yeah. No.
2: Uh, it's shocking to me you haven't seen it. It's a Netflix documentary all about uh, the Olympics, so I'm shocked you haven't seen it. You should definitely go
1: see it. Yeah, right I'm away. not so into
2: doping. Well, worse. Like,
1: it do <laughs> It it's like uh, it I don't know, it bores me doping.
2: Well, it's anyways. It's a really good movie, but there's a ton of Russian flags out. in that movie, obviously. And the Russian flag, this really gets me. Like Russia is a global superpower, and it replaced an evil flag. With an overly boring one. Like, I understand the Soviet flag was bad. It was the same as China, which most people would agree is a terrible flag. I'll get to your opinions on China later. Uh, but now Russia, one of the most important countries in the world, and its flag is not instantly globally recognized the way America or Britain or Japan totally. or China. Yeah, That's true. all you need to know about how weak this
1: flag is. Yeah, and we're on the exact same page here. I have it at 130. You have it at 121. That's, you know, we're, we're, we're in lockstep. The Russian flag stakes.
2: Yeah. All right. So, so then let me talk about another country with a similar problem, Germany. Uh, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism, but at least they understood branding. The Nazi flag was an icon. This yeah, thing, By
3: the
1: way, very appropriate. This is the uh, anniversary of the Big Lebowski coming out, 20 years. Oh, so ah, okay. Nice so, reference.
2: yeah, there's my reference. That's today. But the Nazi flag was an icon, so much so that people in random countries around the world, like America, are still running around getting it tattooed on their face. But, like, this flag is so boring. It's just You have blah, different friends
1: than me. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: By the way, I do need to say there's enough black and red in the German flag that as a Jew, I'm still a little bit nervous that this is a little bit too much like this. Yeah,
1: it's flag. intimidating. Oh, no. No question.
2: But yeah, I don't know. Like, come on. Yeah, Germany. There's always like
1: this. You know, like I watch the Olympics and it's like, oh, this javelin thrower, like her grandfather was on the 1936 team. And it's like, yeah. oh, boy, uh, yeah. they, maybe they knew my grandfather.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But to me, it's just like Russia and Germany. Like at least France has the tricolor, but at least they were the first ones. So they sort of set, uh-huh. the, they set the precedent. But for Germany, uh-huh. and especially Russia, to have such boring-ass flags, pathetic, you should be embarrassed, uh, Germans and Russians. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple other flags that I, I think have a lot of potential but have a couple things wrong with them. Yeah. So Mongolia. Uh, you have it at 159. You hate this flag. I have it at 101. I have it right in the middle. To me, the Mongolian flag would be infinitely better if that symbol on the left side was in the middle on the blue.
1: Yeah. I agree. The yellow on the blue. Or what if it was – because it's red, blue, red, but the symbol's on the left. What if it was blue, red, blue, and then the symbol's in the middle, but the symbol is still – the yellow on red looks better than the yellow on blue, I think. Either way, it has to be
2: in the middle. I think it would just be much more symmetrical.
1: And let's actually – you know, To me, it's a very average flag, yeah.
2: Yeah, and another one like that, by the way, Pakistan. Uh, The Pakistani flag – you have this weird white stripe on the left side. It almost looks like a squared green flag with just extra paper left over. Do you remember, like, when Facebook first started and people didn't really know how to upload pictures, so their pro- profile picture would be like a large white, like Microsoft Paint, and their picture would just be like in the corner of it. Do you remember that? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's what Pakistan is doing here. Like, if Pakistan did almost like a mix between Nigeria and Canada, where they had like green stripe on the left, green stripe on the right, white stripe in the middle with the green uh, star and crescent, I think that might be top ten. But instead, yeah, what if this a, was
1: just a green flag with the with the moon and the star? Yeah, that would also be
2: better. This one. That's a totally great flag. Ruins it. Pac- yeah, well, yeah, I agree. And, yeah. And it just Pakistan really ruins themselves. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm trying. What other hot takes do we have? Uh, you know. All right. So
1: I got some of my really bad ones and some of them you like because we have the exact opposite opinions. Okay. Uh, my notes are uh, Papua New Guinea uh, needs a uh, Papua New Flaggy.
2: Oh, that's a great flag. You have this cool bird. You're anti-bird, I think,
1: right? I'm anti-bird on the flag. Yeah, bird's not a tough enough animal for me. I don't want any animals on the flag, but definitely not a bird. Okay. Uh, Philippines looks like somebody spilled on it. (laughs) I'll say, well, I don't really
2: love the Philippines either. To me, the Philippines would be higher if there were fewer gold elements in the white triangle. Like, they had a meeting, and somebody said, let's put stars on here, and somebody else said, "No, no, no, let's put the sun on here. And then they just decided to do all of it, and it's too much.
1: Yeah. Uh, Turkmenistan, it looks like like five different buffs from Survivor on the left side. It's just like a lot of it's a lot of like it's a lot of buffs on the left side. Um, Vanuatu, well, okay. well, hold on.
2: Let me say one yeah. thing about Turkmenistan. So at first glance, yeah. you're like, well,
1: for, I mean, you were going to say like you like the fact that they have a dictator who like doesn't let people do anything.
2: No, I was going to say it looks like a beautiful Oriental rug, but it's way too busy to be on a flag. But Can you then, say that word anymore? Yeah, that's it, what it's called.
1: I don't know. I thought that's not <laughs> and, PC anymore to say. Well,
2: not about people, but you're allowed to say... <laughs> anyway, say the point oh is gosh. that I discovered with a little bit of research that the purpose of this flag is they want it to look like a gulus-patterned rug because Turkmenistan is the producer of the famous gulus-patterned rug. And so that's it's still bad. I have it in the bottom, like, 50. But to me, it's at least, like, you know, they're intentionally being bad. They're not just being cluelessly bad like a lot of these countries.
1: Yeah, I also have... um Vanuatu flag has a snail on it, it looks like. Do you know what that is? <laughs> uh, well, there's like a shofar, I think.
2: It's a, it's a yeah, boar it's tusk. Weird. It's the tusk of a boar, which, as Jews call it, would be a very trafe shofar. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think it's okay. It's a little bit too busy. Um, it looks like the Los Angeles Rams logo. I don't know why you thought there was a snail. That's an odd take, but to it's me a it horn. Looks like a
1: snail. Um, Swaziland. Do you know the Swaziland flag?
2: Yeah, the Swaziland uh, flag is one of my top flags because I love that Maasai shield.
1: It, yeah, it has great colors, uh, but then it looks like a bird pooped all over it. The
2: black and white thing, it looks a little bird poopy. I'll give you that. It's also weird that the shield is on its side. It looks like like the uh, the person holding it was killed and fell, fell over, which is not great for your flag. Yeah. But, yeah I like the colors also
1: in Swaziland a lot. Uh, yeah, you have it about, at 14. I have it at 190 if people want to get – there's just yeah. so much going on. You could draw this for memory like according to Ted Rules. No, the, you can't draw that. From all right, let's memory. talk
2: about another bird flag, uh, Dominica. So first of all, nobody yeah. knows anything about Dominica. It's the country that isn't the Dominican Republic. Sure, I this country is like a hundred miles off the American tip of Florida. I have never seen this flag in my life until we started this.
1: Uh, yeah, and they don't have a lot of like, like yeah. It's not the Dominica, but I but
2: too. I love this flag. First of all, without the symbol, it's it's decent. You know, the, the the green background with the with the yellow, black, and white cross is a little unique. But it has a great looking purple bird, and I'm all about purple birds. So
1: yeah, you know what? It's white, red. Excuse me, white, black, and yellow, and green. And then inside, it's gr- like the colors aren't consistent inside. It's red and green and purple. Like every color except for blue, I think, is on this flag. I not What is the, the bird flag. holding? Is the bird on a perch? Is it like whole? I don't know. I, yeah, he's holding but, a little branch. You know what? This is another invade country. If you see this <laughs> country, you invade it. <laughs> All right, what about Sri Lanka? So to me,
2: the Sri Lankan flag, if you take the right 60% of it, it would be a really good flag. It's this badass lion dragon thing. It it's two looks-
1: different flags, it almost it's looks two like whales. Flags.
2: Yeah, and then yeah. on the left, you have these random stripes. It, like, completely ruins the flag.
1: Yeah, and by the way, people wrote in, like, I think Wales is going to be number one. Like, you've established already, Wales is not eligible, right?
2: Yeah, Wales is a beautiful flag, but, yeah, Wales is not a member of the United Nations.
1: Yeah, so. and they never will be. They're not welcome. <laughs>
2: All right, is it time, do you think, for us to uh, bring in,
1: uh, a guest judge? Yeah, I mean, I, we've already, you know, I'm sure people want another eight hours of our flag takes, but let's actually get <laughs> an expert in here. Okay.
2: Okay, Akiva, so it's uh, time for us to figure out a way to judge which one of us has the better flag rankings. Ordinarily, this is the uh, point when we turn to our listeners to vote, and and often I complain that because a large segment of our listeners come to us from the rehab world, uh, they're biased towards you, so we can't have the listeners. We need a totally unbiased uh, judge to judge this, somebody who will not have any reason to favor one of us over the other. Before we get to who that is, complete non-sequitur, I just want to remind our listeners that every year at the end of the year when we do our podcast rankings, I have ranked either number one or number two, Slate's the Gist, by Mike Pesca and Akiva, I'm not sure you've even ranked that podcast at all. Uh, Non-sequitur over.
1: No, so it probably helps – it'll probably help you, uh, Chester – You know, Mike. Mike will probably pick your Except, all right, you're stepping all over uh, the show. Anyway,
2: here to give up. Here to be our judge and determine which one of us has the better flag rankings. It is none other than Mike Pesca from Slate's The Gist. So, Mike, welcome to 32 Fans. How are you doing?
4: Thanks. It would be weird if after that intro, it was Ezra Klein you brought on the show, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now I just Ezra's on. (laughs) As we saw next week, when we are ranking
2: uh, the best food from every country, so.
4: the best food or the best uh, the best white papers. <laughs> I guess I guess there's some overlap between flag and white paper. I've surrendered when it comes to white papers. Um, I just want to point out that I am not only disinterested, a totally disinterested observer in the in the true meaning of that word. I am perhaps the perfect juror in that I possess good thinking skills and yet come into this without any pre-knowledge of your your individual oeuvres. So I'm going to just <laughs> let her go and talk about the flags. So,
2: Akim, I think Mike is saying that, uh, like most guests, he hasn't previously listened to the podcast. <laughs> now I will.
1: Oh, no. Ne- never heard of us. Has no... Never will. Uh, you know, so he, I, I feel like this is... Yeah, he is the perfect... Uh, Perfect. Yeah, Mike,
2: you're also sure. um, you're coming out with a new book, Upon Further Review, The Greatest What-Ifs in Sports History. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon now or any of your favorite online booksellers. Uh, you want to tell us quickly what that
4: book's about? Sure. It's about flags. No, it's not. It's about... <laughs> I, I, I went out and I got 30 different writers, historians, sports columnists, a couple athletes, and said, let's choose different sports and ask what-if questions. Now, normally... I think when people do this, they say, oh, what if that guy hadn't gotten hurt and my team could have won the championship? Or what if this (laughs) trade had gone a different way and my team would have won the championship? And those are kind of – yes, the phrase is what if, but really it's only if. If only. If only uh, Derek Jeter had been a Cincinnati Red or whatever. Mine is more about like ripples and uh, I hope sometimes bigger picture things like how society would have changed, but not always. I mean, sometimes we just talk about what would happen if basketballs were actually wider than the rims. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> That's John Boyce's chapter, but uh, every game would be in a zero zero tie. I'm looking forward
2: now to uh, John Boyce making a YouTube video where he analyzes that as well.
4: He just I, I said to myself, All right, I have all these learned, uh, qualified people. Now I need someone insane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so speaking of insanity, let's jump into uh, irrational
2: fighting over flags. Akiva, let's start with you. Why don't you tell us what, in your ranking, uh, is the worst of all 195 uh, national flags of members of the United
1: Nations? So you want my bottom number 195, my absolute what is worst, the worst flag? flag? I, uh, to me, the worst flag is Nepal. It, it almost gets like an incomplete. When, when you get, like, if, uh, the truth is in school— I would rather get an incomplete or, like, a, you know, miss too many days of school NA than a D- minus or an F. Uh, and Nepal's more of an incomplete than a D- because, to me, it's half a flag. It's like two pennants thrown together. There's no—and I know, Mike, you don't have a list of flags in front of you, but I know you know all 195 flags by heart. So you're with <laughs> us here, right?
4: Well, I think, I think Nepal is like an Amazon review in that it probably gets one star or five star because, Chester, where'd you rank Nepal? I saw this.
2: Yeah, I have it at number ten. Like the shape alone wins it for me. It's unique. Like that's the goal here. It's 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 also pleasing, frankly. I like pennants. What's better
4: than one pennant? Two pennants? Yeah, I think Nepal is.
1: Yeah, but I feel like every the other 194 countries are playing by a different rule, and Nepal is just like it's half a flag. There's just like sorry that noise we have to like live inside the,
2: the box and like you know never uh, think outside of that box, Akiva.
4: That should be an idiom. <laughs>
1: I mean, to, to like, but again, it's not worth, like, I'd rather my country's flag be Nepal's, even though, like, everyone else put in more effort, just because, like, there are some cool aspects to it, but to me, the, the real worst flag is Uganda's, which just has, like, that weak-looking bird on it, and to me, if aliens came down from outer space, and they saw every nation's flag, and they're like, we need to pick a country to invade, I think they have to invade Uganda, because it just, that, that flag just says, we're weak. Yeah, so Come you're, again,
2: us. attacking a top-20 flag, in my
1: opinion. Yeah. That yeah. bird is awesome. Nah, Uganda's terrible. You, you sh- sh- oh, sorry. And I, again, we're just judging these by the by the flags, not the, <laughs> not the country. So Uganda might be a great country. I don't know anything about it, but uh, but the yeah, flag is so trash.
4: I'll I'll give you a couple opinions here. One. You might be right about aliens. Uh, it would be a weird sorting mechanism. They have the advanced technology to get to Earth, but they just decide which country to evade, invade based on <laughs> flags. But also furthering, furthering that uh, decision to invade Uganda is neighboring country, Kenya, has a, has a shield right on the flag. So they got to say, well, they're, they're going to put up a good fight, or at least be a little harder yeah. than this, uh, <laughs> this dopey little bird. I think they're similar in that if all flags were like them, it wouldn't be good. But they're a nice change of pace flags. I also think the Ugandan flag, you know Belgium Germany it has a nice color scheme the thing arguing against it is the uh, good flag bad flag principle of being able to draw an iconic figure a a seven-year-old should be able to draw what's on your flag and the Ugandan bird doesn't do that but I like I sometimes like the flags with fanciful birds uh Domenica uh, the bird of paradise on the flag of um, Papua New Guinea and Uganda are good changes of pace. And I would put them in the both of them in the top half. I would not put Nepal 10, but I'm glad those flags exist in the world. They're like the art films of flags. If all films were art.
1: Films, Every yeah. flag Mike just mentioned is in my <laughs> bottom. ten. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Akiva,
2: so your second to worst flag is Uganda because it's too weak looking as a bird. What's your third to worst looking flag? I guess it must be another weak one, right?
1: Well, again, now they they went the other way. Saudi Arabia has a sword and writing, so it breaks almost every rule in the book, yeah. right? The you know, the, first of all, the writing, Chester. I think you speak Arabic, right? A or little read bit Arabic, but, but the, this this I, writing is. You, an I know you majored in Arabic in college. I don't text. know if you. Uh, this isn't forgot.
2: boring text. This is beautiful calligraphy, and and while while a child in America might not be able to redraw it. I would argue that many uh, uh, Saudi Arabian children who are, uh, you know, trained calligraphers could perhaps uh, make a very uh, decent representation. Uh, of- right, but I don't.
1: But most people can't read Arabic, so I don't know what it says. I, <laughs> I can't draw a stick figure. So to me, it, Ted K's rule of like drawing the flag, I literally can't draw. The Polish flag, that's just red and white. I can't do that.
4: Years ago, Saudi Arabia had a choice. Do we give our kids driver's ed or calligraphy? And I think they chose well. <laughs> I don't like the Saudi flag. It's not that they have a sword. It's The writing's too busy. Beautiful as it may be, everyone who doesn't yes. speak, I think this is not just Arabic, but it's uh, kind of classic Arabic from the Quran. Everyone who doesn't speak that is just squinting and going, huh? So yeah, it's not. Yeah, to be
2: clear, I studied Arabic. I can read what it says in the Iraqi flag. I cannot read it all what it says in the Saudi flag. So, Uh, all right, Akiva, what's the next, uh, the fourth worst flag in your opinion?
1: To me, Cyprus, it's its the whitest of all the flags, right? It's almost all white. And what is on it? Is it a picture of Cyprus? And shouldn't there be like another, like it, like the Miami Dolphins helmet where it's like the dolphin wearing a, a, a dolphin's helmet and then that dolphin has the dolphin's helmet? Like, the, is it just never ending? Like the flag has a flag on it? I'm not sure what this that's, Cyprus flag uh, is.
2: It, that's not clear to you what that, what that symbol is? That that's an outline of the country? Well,
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it's Cyprus, but, like, no other country has their country, and Cyprus is, you know, like, is it so, is it so cool, is the shape of Cyprus so cool that we need, like, we need this? you know, like, no other country has their country on the flag.
2: So if it's too white for you, I guess that means you're going to hate Japan and Israel also, right? I'm, I'm impeaching. No, I, 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 I. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, I would say Akiva, the better, the the, be- the better, this? analogy. I like the Miami Dolphins' infinite regression of the helmet, even though that dolphin is wearing a non-mammal-approved helmet. It doesn't even have a chin strap, let alone a uh, a face bar. But right, it's not even like the single-bar Mark Rippen helmet. Um, I think the better analogy for it that wasn't would be even the-
2: acceptable in 1975.
4: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think the better analogy for that would be the Haitian flag, which has a picture of the Haitian flag on it. Which, if you look closely, has a picture of the Haitian <laughs> flag on it. So that's the infinite regression. But to me, Cyprus and Saudi Arabia both don't get the memo of what flags are for, which is a symbol to express an idea, like writing or what your country looks like. So yeah, they're both kind of flag <laughs> fails. Uh, I, 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 and I also think that if we go, if we, you know, if in the, when they're making flags in the 19th century, if they start putting writing on it, think about what a flag were to be made a few years ago, they'd have one of those QR codes on it. That would be abysmal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know how to do those. All right. Akiva, what's the fifth to worst flag then? Why? I already mentioned Poland, but to me, Poland, Indonesia, and Monaco put the least effort of any country. It's just red and white. Very similar, nothing going on. Okay, but can I point something out, Akiva? uh, You're right about that.
2: That's why I have Poland 190, uh, Indonesia 189, and Monaco 188. Because they're the same flag, so they're in sequence. You have them all over the map. You have them like 40 spots away from each other. So there's no consistency for you.
1: (laughs) In my defense, my kids also uh, submitted rankings for some of these flags. (laughs) So it's, it's, they're weighing down. They're not consistent. My my, my four-year-old son, I don't know who he is, uh, is, is, is shouting out numbers between zero and ten, and it really weighs the ranking down. If I had a bigger family, then it, you know, we could throw out we're, the top and bottom score flags. like the Olympics.
2: This is a serious thing. The fact that you uh, brought a four-year-old into the discussion is really offensive, I think. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> what is your children's <laughs> le- favorite <laughs> and least flags. favorite flags?
4: Well, I'll tell you the mnemonic device I taught my kids to distinguish between Indonesia and Poland. Uh, red, <laughs> red on red on top of white. Indonesia's right. White on top of red. It's Poland instead. <laughs> These are kids who not are not going to know uh, beer before liquor or liquor before beer, but yeah. damn it, they'll know the flags. I, yeah, no matter. I get to college. I got I to <laughs> side with Chester. I, I, I can really choose among them, but I don't understand how they're not all grouped. Bing, 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 as our president would say. Like, <laughs> I don't understand the huge gaps between the flags.
1: I, I'll bring my four-year-old on. He'll, uh, he'll give you All right, his expertise. We're
4: going to get to my
2: bottom five. Uh, the worst
4: flag is
2: the Fijian flag. We need someone to fix this flag. Hopefully uh, we can find somebody who would be on some kind of a committee. Uh, maybe he's been a guest on, uh, on Slate's The Gist, for example, who could help correct this flag. And then the second worst flag would be Tuvalu, which is the same. It's only slightly better because instead of that really complicated shield, they have a bunch of stars. But these are both flags that uh, I think Akiva said they've been cucked by Great Britain, uh, Australia New Zealand as well. But they also have this like weird shade of blue, which doesn't even match with with the blue in the in the back of Union Jack. So to me, Tuvalu and Fiji, uh, garbage flags. Beautiful islands, garbage flags. Uh, Mike, your opinion?
4: Um, yeah, I think that flags with other flags, flag that says, "Hey, we're colonialized, but we're an off-brand colony," is not a good look <laughs> for your country or flag. <laughs>
2: All right, and I'm not going to make keep defend those because he didn't have them too high. Uh, my third worst flag is is the aforementioned Haiti, which Mike mentioned. To me, the problem with Haiti is it looks like they literally copy-pasted that coat of arms in the middle of the flag. Like, why does it have the white background it's behind the, the little symbol in, in the middle? It's, you know, like when you're doing, like, on Microsoft oh, – I'm sure everyone knows
1: what you're talking about. As Mike
2: James. says, they have a bunch of Haitian flags in the Haitian flag – but they, they neglected to make the everlasting flag, you know, uh, which could have been a cool GIF if uh, one day when flags
4: are all in GIF form.
2: <laughs> so, Mike, uh, you you already mentioned Haiti. Do you yeah. like that
4: flag? It, it's it's tough. No, it's tough to pick on the Haitians for their flag, but they deserve it. <laughs> okay.
1: It's so small and, and, like, busy also. Like, nobody could see what's going on in there. And I'm sure on a real flag, like, it, it's just tiny and and, and it's just totally you know, lost on the art right. The, the fourth
2: worst flag to me, um, to go from a very poor, uninfluential, uh, unpowerful country to perhaps the opposite, the Vatican, the Holy See, the Catholic Church, one of the oldest and most powerful organizations in the world, and their flag is just blah. It's half yellow, half white, and some keys. This symbol should be much more recognizable. When you think of the Catholic Church, you should instantly know what their flag looks like, and this flag, I think 98% of Catholics wouldn't even recognize this flag.
4: Well, I, there's an interesting wrinkle. I, I think that the colors of the Catholic flag, they're good that some flag exists in those colors, uh, but it's a little busy. The symbol's a little busy. But, you know, that isn't keeping with the brand of the Catholic Church. It's not like being ornate is something unknown to Catholicism <laughs> and their and their symbols. But going back to heraldry, there was a rule that the, uh, the, the metals were never supposed to touch on a flag. And that would be gold and silver. And there was only one exception, ah. which is the church itself. So the fact that the if you know a little bit about vexillology or heraldry, it's kind of interesting to see this ongoing example where uh, silver touches gold, which is supposed to be the exception that proves the rule.
2: Uh, okay. So my ignorance is being exposed. And then on my fifth worst flag, and then we'll get to the best flags in a second, Bosnia and Herzegovina. This flag looks like it's a mistake, like the stars are cut off on the top and the bottom. It, it, this flag looks like it was a portion of their flag, and that you just cut out a little clip of it. It makes no sense to me. Why are the stars cut off? Why is there like this blue?
1: It looks like you yeah, zoomed exactly. in. It looks like you zoomed in on the computer. Exactly. On half the this place. is like
2: a, a piece of a flag, and I don't understand. I, I'm sure I'm going to get some angry Bosnian listeners explaining to me the cultural significance of a half star being cut off, but... But Mike, what say you from an aesthetic perspective?
4: I used to live across the street from a Peruvian chicken place, which had a nice chicken (laughs) and a nice Peruvian flag. So those were good. And next to it was this hair cutter. And just randomly, they had some weird symbol on their sign. And it was pretty much, it shared about 89% of its DNA with the Bosnian flag. So I just think randomly, if you gave, you know, uh, third graders a bunch of stripes and a bunch of stars, they'd have come up with the Bosnian flag. (laughs) All right, let's get to the
2: best flags. And hopefully uh, this can be more of a love fest than a hate fest.
4: Kiva, okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: Um, I'll go first. I'll go quickly. So no, for me, number five, China, one of the oh most classic God. flags. Mike, I, I know you're a big sports guy. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe the craziest Olympics person on the planet. And to me, when, when we have you, know, uh, you know, 30 in the Winter Olympics or 180 basically in the Summer Olympics countries competing at the same time, and you're watching a race where they're just putting the flags on the screen, when you see China, you know, oh, that's China. Whereas, you know, a lot of the tricolored flags, like, you know, Poland or Austria or something, where it's just two or three colors, you spend 30 seconds, uh, you know, figuring out, it, you know, which, which of those European or sometimes European countries it is. And by that time, like, you've already missed half, half the biathlon. So to me, like, China's the... Mike, you need to understand, <laughs> yes. uh,
2: like, when we did our movie rankings, the rule was it had to be a movie that came out after 1995 because Akiva has no awareness of the world prior to 1995. So to him, this is a unique flag. To those of us who were either not born yesterday or have studied the books that uh, that uh, came before us, China, one of the greatest nations on earth, arguably the greatest, uh, you know, they are leading the forefront of presidents uh, not having to yeah. abide by uh, term limits apparently, They have one of the weakest, pathetic flags ever. This is a communist flag. It's not a Chinese flag. There's nothing distinct from the Soviet flag here if you see it in the corner of your TV screen. Akiva doesn't remember the Soviet flag. It was the same thing, except instead of a Tsar, it was a a sickle and hammer. But to me, this is not a Chinese flag. There's nothing Chinese about this flag. It's just a communist flag. And it's kind of embarrassing that such a big, powerful country basically copied another country for their flag.
4: Okay, well, I'm glad you said arguably. China's not the best country in the world. Uh, I like flags that are two colors and neither of them are white. I like that. So I like Albania. Maybe we'll get to that. I like just the uh, colors of the Chinese flag. But you're right. It is derivative. I think it is certainly an above-average flag. I think the Chinese use it well. I think that they, when they bedeck their speed skaters in uh, Chinese flag regalia, it works. I wouldn't put it top 10. I'd probably put it somewhere around 30.
2: Yeah, I have it 69. To me, it's it's fine, but a country like China should have a more unique flag. If Cuba says you instantly recognize it as China. Again, maybe today that's true, but that certainly wasn't true uh, You know, during the time of the so- Soviet Union. And Cuba, which is another communist country... Well I mean you were four during the
1: time of the Soviet Union, Chester. Were we writing these flags on nineteen eighty seven standards? What are you uh, anyway, about?
2: I'm just saying Cuba is a communist country and has a beautiful flag, which is actually a derivative of American. So there was no reason for China to copy the Soviet Union.
1: Disappointing. All right, what's number four, Kiva? So from the largest country to one of the smallest, I'm guessing, I don't know the population, and that's the Seychelles. The it's five it's five different colors going across in a real unique pattern. Blue, yellow, red, white, and green. You know, to me, it's like it's sort of the best version of like we're not doing anything fancy with any symbols, no writing, no weapons, uh, no like weird birds, just colors. But it's going to be the coolest version of just colors.
4: I think I think either you're an iconography guy or you're a bold and interesting guy. And to me, Seychelles (laughs) fall somewhere in between. So if you want to argue that Seychelles is good because it has no symbols, then I would buy that and say Canada, Israel, Japan, put them in your top three. But then if you want to argue that Seychelles is good because it has a lot of colors, well, that goes against the simplicity and the iconography. I mean, to me, a country like Seychelles, a small island nation that's possibly the home of some uh, Trump associate uh, meetings with the Russians, say, which could be overcome by global <laughs> warming. Look at the flag of Kiribati. I know that's an overly busy flag, but it's tons more interesting than Seychelles. Se- Seychelles would be better off having a Kiribati flag than its own flag.
1: I mean, this is the only time anybody's ever discussing Seychelles. Yeah, but but Akiva's anti bird. Yes, I am anti bird on flag. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, Akiva, what's number three?
1: Uh, three, I have Canada. To me, it's it's again maybe the most easily recognizable. Like Mike just said, this is one of my key standards: is you win a gold medal, you wrap yourself in the flag. You know, hopefully they won't take away my citizenship. But to me the coolest flag to wrap yourself in is Canada. You know, it doesn't get any points here for like the great anthem, but I just think the whole like Canada experience, especially in like sporting culture, uh, is, is better than any other countries. It's it is such a nice flag with a nice symbol. Not too simple but not too basic. I love it.
4: I agree. I think Canada might be the number one flag, and its symbol is something that's unique, that gives it life and depth, and the colors are really basic. A seven-year-old could draw it. It means something. Oh, Canada, great flag.
2: Yeah, I also have it in the top ten. I can't argue with that one.
4: All right, Keith, what's number two?
1: Uh, Japan, very similar argument to, to China, even more basic, right? You know, just the dot, but but it's it's so recognizable. It's it, You know, is there too much white? Probably. But it, it to me, it's like it's it's meaningful because it's the house of the sun. And it's just a big old sun. And, uh, you know, everyone knows what the Japan flag is.
2: Not, not to get on some like high horse here, but to me, this is almost in, in an example of where we're giving countries biases because of the influence of the country in terms of, you know, it, it's, its global power over its flag because if you love Japan well Bangladesh is the same concept it's a green background but it's a big red circle Palau is you know two pleasing colors uh, neither of which is white the same concept a circle in the middle so i like Japan I, you know i have it pretty high up but the fact that it's that you have it number 2 overall over those countries
4: to me that says more about what we think about Japan as a country than its flag i sign off on that that's my No, that would be my exact critique, that that they're very similar to the other two countries you mentioned. I don't know white and reddish-orange is better than greenish and reddish-orange. It's definitely better than the blue and yellow. So it's a good flag, but maybe a little too simple and not trying hard enough. All right, Akiva, what's the best flag in the world?
1: Uh, And my favorite flag is the Marshall Islands flag. It's mostly blue. There's a yellow and white stripe going (laughs) across, and then it has a sun so bright you can barely stare at it. <laughs> on screen, I just love that sun. To me, it's such like an iconic, cool flag. If I was starting country from scratch, which for all I know, that's what the Marshall Islands was. Just six months ago, somebody started it. Um, it to me, this would be my flag. I love it. Uh, I know, you know, it, it's the opposite of Japan or Canada or Ch- or China, where it's like, oh, you just know that, you know, you recognize it, so you have affinity for it. I've never seen this flag before. We started this, and now I think I'm going to move to the Marshall Islands. Akiva, this looks like a flag that belongs to a boat company. <laughs> That you would probably join. <laughs> Mike, what's your what's
4: Yeah, your if, on the... <laughs> to, to me, when there's a big corporate uh, breakup, like when Kraft becomes the Altria group and they have to invent a symbol before they really get around to inventing a good symbol, they come up with something like the Marshall Islands flag. It's, a, it's, it's corporate. It's vague. It says, yeah, we're kind of happy and, and aim towards tomorrow, but do not say much. Best flag in the world? Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. Oh that's a, that's God. a really hot take.
4: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. Let me
2: give you my best uh, top five flags and we'll go quickly here. Uh, Number five to me is Israel. It's crisp. It's clean. It's just two colors. It's totally unique in that no one else has stripes, not all the way at the top of the bottom. It has them sort of a little bit lower and higher to look like a, like a prayer shawl, like a tallis. The the Jewish star in the middle, obviously the star of David, there's a couple other flags that have a six pointed star, but, but that's pretty unique. There's lots of crescents. There's lots of five pointed stars, not a lot of uh, six pointed stars. Uh, Akiva, you had a number eight, so you don't disagree too strongly.
1: No, it's a great, it's a, it's a great flag. To me, there is a ton of white. Do, I know that it's original. I almost don't love like that. It, that the blue stripes don't go to the top, but I get like, it is like a Talos, uh, Even though it's maybe the wrong shade of blue for talus, but um, yeah, no, it's a great flag. Uh, Mike, what's your
4: take on the Israeli flag? Yeah, Star of David says what it needs to say. It's a good flag, very good, top ten for sure.
2: All right, uh, number four to me is Jamaica. I love this flag. it's iconic, it's simple. any child can draw it. I love the color scheme. There's really nobody else like it. A lot of African countries have similar colors, but they have red in there, which Jamaica doesn't have. And then of course, if you take out the yellow and made it red, it might also look like you know like an Arabic flag, but the green, yellow, black, it's really the only country that has this instantly recognizable you know usain bolt crosses the finish line wraps that thing around his arms and everybody's excited even if uh, you're not from jamaica
4: it is a pleasing array of colors but when whenever you just yeah, do great. stripes it's and great. diagonals there's only so high you could go but they they've done just about as well as they in great britain do stripes and diagonals well uh, i think it's it's good top 20 not top 10
1: all right top 20 okay i'll take that it's not even colors you think would would go well together chester but they have for whatever reason it works
4: yeah,
2: they, they do it right. You know, um, I, there's like you think of, like, the Kansas City Chiefs. Red and yellow don't go well together, but I like their uniforms.
4: Right. To me,
2: this is green and yellow is the Packers. That goes pretty well. The old Seattle
4: Sonics. I have no problem with green and yellow. Do they not go well, or do we just associate it with McDonald's is the question?
2: Oh, red and yellow, you're saying. Yeah, that's a good point.
4: <laughs> All right, uh, number
2: three to me, the United States of America. I don't want to sound like a homer here, but there's a reason this is a global icon. And uh, Akiva, with his deep uh, anti-American bias, uh, throws this one out of the top eight. At it at number nine. I have it at number three. It's removing ourselves from politics, obviously, but I do think it's a beautiful flag to look at just aesthetically.
1: I mean, my hot take is that—by uh, uh, the way, nine is yeah, really know, good, Chester. Gonna... My hot take is the Liberian flag, which is which is one giant star and not 50 small ones, is a better flag. If they had both you know, been drawn up the, the same day, that is aesthetically a better flag, the Liberian flag.
2: Well, we have 50 states. I mean, like, <laughs> there's a reason for the 50 stars.
1: I know, but I like, but it, it, almost like on a lot of flags, the, the 50 states. By the way, how lost. exciting is and it to that people who don't know we have 50 states? It's also exciting the history
2: of the flag, how it's changed, how we had the different designs based on how many uh, states there were at the time.
1: I mean, I the top 10. I'm not saying it's a garbage flag, but I, I have, for whatever reason, I love the yeah. Liberian
2: flag. All right, Mike, what do you say about the American flag?
4: This is my strongest <laughs> disagreement with you. Other than the <laughs> fact that maybe you live in America, I'm assuming, it's just not a good flag. Yeah. Not only is it not <laughs> one of the top three flags in the world, it's not one of the top three flags in America, It's uh, <laughs> judging against states, it's not one of the top three flags in American history. Uh, the Gadsden flag is a better flag. Uh, the version of the American flag with the stars in a circle in the upper left canton is a better flag. Just 50 stars on a flag is not good design. It's kind of random. It's very hard to separate. We live with the flag, we're patriotic. I don't think it's great flag design, At all.
2: I cannot even imagine what kind of tweet you're going to get from uh, Trump if he's listening to this podcast, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) He is. He does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If he's a listener, uh, we're in a lot of trouble. All right. Number two to me, uh, the United Kingdom. What else needs to be said? The fact that it's the flags of England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland transposed over one another is really cool. Uh, You know, the fact that there's four other countries that literally just stick it in the corner of their flag sort of imply is a strong endorsement. Although, again, those countries may have not had a choice initially.
1: I think it's more of a military <laughs> exactly. endorsement, right? Uh, than, but to me, like I love, love, I love this flag. flag. I
2: just think that the Union Jack is a really cool flag. And uh, Whereas Akiva and I basically agree on America. We both have it in the top ten, and Mike disagrees. Akiva, you have the Union Jack at 63, so you think it's okay, but nothing special.
1: Yeah, again, if you weren't super familiar with it, this would not stand out to you at all. It, just on first glance, it's a very ordinary, well, slightly above average flag. But
4: the me. history of it with uh, incorporating the Scottish Saltier and all the other flags except for Wales with its dragon, that's impressive. Yeah. The colors alone— Hard to get a
2: dragon on this. There.
4: <laughs> red, Red, white, and blue are the most popular colors for flags, and part of it's colonialism, but part of it's, hey, they, they somehow work well together, and I like the general lack of white, but the white accents on this flag, it is cool. If it weren't cool, the Who wouldn't use it as a symbol. Yeah, that's true.
2: All right, number one to me, uh, it's not as out there as the Marshall Islands, but I think this is a bit of an upset uh the the south korean flag the republic of korea it breaks a lot of the rules but aesthetically to me it just looks beautiful you have the yin and yang in the middle you have the uh the the black lines around uh which uh again i did no research i'm sure that they have a symbolic meaning uh (laughs) in korea Uh, we're not about research on this podcast but to me even though it breaks the rules i just love looking at it it's pleasing it's pleasant it's beautiful it's definitely unique you definitely notice it immediately any child could draw it akiva you also like it. you have it in the top 25 but what about you mike
4: I like this flag. I don't love it. it. it is strikingly beautiful as a piece of many piece many uh, piece of something, something visual. It's not It's just not exactly a flag. I think Canada's better. I think my favorite flag, I'll tell you what that is if you want. I think Lebanon's better. Yeah. You know? I think Lebanon's oh, wow. better. Um, so maybe maybe
1: what's that tree? If you love the Lebanon flag, It's a cedar is tree? tree to me? It's a I'm Lebanese not cedar. cedar. Come on. They had
4: th- they had the Cedar Revolution. It's really important. As the maple leaf is Yeah, but it's a little too small.
1: The the, the tree isn't as prominent as <laughs> the tree.
4: Well, deforestation is a horrible problem in Lebanon. It yeah. really raises that point. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Mike. So uh, you've heard our flag rankings. You have to choose a winner. Uh, you know, there's there's no waffling here. There's no there's no draws, there's no ties. Give us a winner and give us a loser.
4: I will give you, uh, Chester, you win. Uh, just anyone who puts oh. Marshall Islands number one, it, it's just freaking crazy. <laughs> now, one of you guys, oh, or maybe both of you guys, I thought was a, were a little too harsh on the Qatari flag. Who ranked yeah, that, that was really me. low? The thing yeah, is... Yeah, I had
2: that at number at 186. Right.
4: You should elevate it a little more just because that purple is Qatari purple, and they pretty much invented that color by crushing shells. That country, that area, were... Um, I guess, in the forefront of making dyes. So that's cool. When you learn something from a flag, as opposed to, say, Bosnia or the Marshall Islands, where all I learned is, you know, we hope our quarterly profits will beat expectations.
1: <laughs> 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 all right. Yeah, I like I, I, I like the top. I like Qatar. And I think, the, like, the pac man spike biting thing is cool, uh, in addition to the really awesome shade yeah, of purple. pac man <laughs> Yeah.
2: All right. Um, so Akiva, <laughs> I win again. Uh, let's, uh, let's come back to Mike if you have a minute. Let's come back to your book for a second. All right. Your book is uh, Upon Further Review, the Greatest What Ifs in Sports History. And you said these are not what ifs like what if that player hadn't
4: been injured. Although, although there is one chapter about the ten worst injuries in history and which one would have been the worst. But
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to throw one of those types of what ifs at you anyways. It wouldn't be for your book. But I am a Timberwolves fan. Uh, I once was talking to Bill Simmons, and I threw this "what if" at him because I think he- wow, a that's
1: way you that's that's a nice brag, Chester. You've never mentioned before.
2: Well, no, i just because he has a bunch of basketball "what ifs in his book, and I threw it at him, and and, uh, and now I'm going to throw
1: it to. Was a, this an even. in-person conversation, or did you email him and he responded in like tiny letters from his AOL email address?
2: No, no, this, no. This is uh, this is actually I spoke to him in person. But look, you're you're distracting okay. here. So this is my "what if." Okay, sorry. It's 2004, Mike. Uh, the NBA Western Conference Finals, the Minnesota Timberwolves were the one seed. Kevin Garnett was the unanimous MVP that year. Sam Cassell was all second team against the Lakers who brought in Carmelone and Gary Payton, all these stars who were getting very old. Sam Cassell got injured uh, in the series. Uh, the Timberwolves did not even have any point guard because Troy Hudson was also injured. They ended up, uh, Fred Hoiberg and Kevin Garnett had to play point guard pretty much in that series. They lost in six. I argue that if Sam Cassell does not get injured in the Western Conference Finals, the butterfly effect is so dramatic. First of all, the Timberwolves almost certainly beat the Lakers. They probably beat the Pistons. They win the title. If the yeah, I mean, if they had
1: the- Troy Hudson, I can't even imagine. Yeah.
2: No, no, Sam Cassell. They had Sam Cassell, <laughs> who was an all-star that year. He was a top-ten player that year. If they have Sam Cassell and they win the title, Kevin Garnett never goes to Boston because he never has, you know, the failure to win a title in Minnesota. If he doesn't go to Boston, that team doesn't form – to beat the Cavs when the Cavs with LeBron are winning 66 games a year and falling in the playoffs, which means LeBron never leaves Cleveland, he never goes to Miami, the whole concept of the super team never develops. The entire way that we look at NBA players, not just on the court, but off the court in terms of their, their social impact and their taking ownership of their sport and their league, I think all of that could have been changed if Sam Cassell had not been uh, burdened with such uh, giant testicular fortitude that he uh, unfortunately uh, hurt his leg in that game. Uh, Mike, what do you think about that what if and the possible uh, effects of uh, I think- a no Sam Cassell? injury See,
4: that's one that's a good one that appeals to me it has a couple things like no one talks about the minnesota t- uh, timberwolves or whatever their name is the timberwolves and, <laughs> in the context of what ifs you know everyone will talk about the sacramento kings getting jobbed with calls or different teams that they like so i love just focusing on the timberwolves it's a good point so <laughs> no so on that team wait so on that team cassell's the point guard garnett's the center they it's, had Sprewell. spreewell's on that team right yeah, he was the third best player. And he's the third best player, and at that point, he's just like a really hard-working player who doesn't attack anyone, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Uh, he has attacks for two teams away. He had taken the Knicks to the finals, and then
4: he came to the Timberwolves, and he put up like 18 points a game. He was a solid player,
2: yes. but uh, against the Lakers, with just him and Garnett, it wasn't enough against you know, four right. Hall of Famers.
4: And I also know, and so this is where you could make a ripple effect. I also know that a couple years ago, Minnesota released – its list of the biggest state income tax uh, dodgers, and he was high up on the list. So maybe the entire (laughs) infrastructure of the state changes. Maybe, you know, teachers' pensions get funded, something like that. I think that this could have great societal impact. I like it.
2: Yeah, and on a personal level, I think I've told this to Akiva before, I would not be married to my wife and I would not have my children if uh, not for Sam Cassell's injury. Because my wife and I were both interns on Capitol Hill that summer. We met. She was from Detroit. She was a Pistons fan. If the Timberwolves had played the Pistons in the finals, I would have been watching in my room all alone, nervous. Uh, you know, I, c- I can't watch with the crowd when my team is playing. But because it was the Lakers and the Pistons that I didn't really care – I met this girl. She told me she wanted to watch the Pistons game and didn't know how. So I bought her a TV on Craigslist. I brought it over to her apartment. We hosted these big parties to watch the games, and I made sure to be the last one to leave every night. And fast forward 14 years later, and I'm sitting in a house with her and three uh, psychotic children. So my life might have been uh,
4: much different. <laughs> you, brought, you bought her a TV? It was fifteen dollars. It was on Craigslist. But that that's what's great about it. Yeah, I understand. But when you tell the story to everyone, they're like, My God, you bought her a TV. That's fantastic. That yeah, sounds a bit desperate. Yeah. She yeah,
2: she was yeah. like, she had never been outside the state of Michigan. She didn't even know what Craigslist was. <laughs>
4: that's fantastic. Keith, do you have a what if for Mike?
1: I do. See, it's it's I'm gonna pick maybe the most common what if, but I'm gonna zig when you think I'm gonna zag. Uh so Mike, what if Len Bias did not die the night, uh, uh you know, whatever it was, the the, the couple nights after the nineteen eighty six NBA draft, right. So this so that's lit- maybe the most yeah. common sports what if, right? How old are you? Uh, I well, I was we I was not even three when that happened, but you know, Bill Simmons alone has probably talked about this ten thousand times.
4: Yeah, so that is the most common one. That's the one that everyone. When I mentioned this book, they'd say what happened, and I wasn't necessarily opposed to pursuing it but i just knew that there were downsides like you are playing a game essentially with someone's life and you could mm-hmm. uh, and and then, if you say nah, eh, the Celtics still wouldn't have been good, or I, you know, I have this theory that Len Bias would have underperformed as a pro. What do you, you know, that's not fair. And what are you doing to his legacy? So, of course, you got to say Len Bias would be this uh, generational, transformational player, and that would will the Celtics onto all these uh, extra championships. And somehow Larry Bird would have gotten healed. I don't know, but what's your wrinkle?
1: Right. So yeah, I mean, you 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 hit on it a little bit, but I think it's you know because the media has become so boston centric in the last decade the sports media in particular i you know we we sort of like and, and again this is no lock no, no Lynn bias and i'm you know not to you know, hopefully not disgrace his legacy here but you know the the idea that he was automatically going to be the star player seems the, the odds of which were certainly under 50% it's it was a terrible draft other than super late picks dennis rodman and ervius sabonis who you're not going to pick you know in the in the top few, because he was a Euro who who'd never been good, in, and Rodman came from like e- Oklahoma East, East Oklahoma State or something like that. Um, the players picked Ray right after Len Bias were Chris Washburn, Chuck Person, who's I think in jail now, uh, Kenny Kenny Walker, William Bedford, Roy Tarpley. I mean, if you followed these, you know the the uh, the sort of the the uh, these guys in in the late nineties, every single one of these guys had had major drug problems. So yeah, you, so you know the the '80s were you know basically caught every every single one of these guys the the first pick in the draft was Brad Doherty, who's you know basically better known for being like a NASCAR analyst on ESPN for the last couple of decades it, it just seems the, the odds of Len Bias being like a sort of a, a decade swinger seem, seem so slim uh, you know even if he ends up being a pretty good player first, cocaine got so many of these guys after him. So uh, Mike says nobody... he doesn't want to
2: shit on a dead person and then Akiva proceeds to do just no, that. No, but I think that's, <laughs>
4: that's, a really good, that's a really good point. Okay, so the guy doesn't overdose supposedly the first time he ever took drugs. So we're going to say he's the one guy in this whole generation who doesn't get caught up by drugs. What's the evidence? Well, we know that he, in an impressionable moment, took drugs and took drugs uh, incautiously. So, yeah, this is this is kind of why I don't want to do it. But between us, that's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, just I, I went through the draft, and it's—I mean, every single guy. Ba- Roy Tarpley. Well, what, what was the coach's name? Lucas. What's his first name? Jerry Lucas. The guy yeah. who like reforms all the. So, like that, every one of these guys has like lived at, at Jerry Lucas' house for for a year. Yeah, and you they know, were like, most and, like, and most Chris Washburns, the Roy Tarpleys. These these guys were literally banned from the NBA for for cocaine use for multiple years. Some of them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, thanks for uh, so much for joining us again. Uh, go buy the book online. Upon further review. The greatest what ifs in sports history. It's Mike, but he also brought in a whole bunch of uh, interesting uh, writers uh, and podcasters, and, and who a lot of a lot of them I think uh, our listeners are familiar with: uh, Will lights Jeremy Shap, Lee Montville, etc. So uh, please uh, go buy that book, and uh, maybe Mike will come back to uh, tell us about the sequel, the 30 uh, least influential what ifs in sports
4: history. Thanks, guys. Oh, and you might want to correct it. Thanks Jerry so Lu- much, Mike. It, it was John. It was John Lucas, right? Jerry Lucas was. John uh, Lucas. Thank Jerry you. Lucas thank you. The Ohio State.
1: It was a good ball player, yes.
4: All right, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. I'll get you this tape.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Okay, thanks,
2: Mike. Thanks, bye-bye. All right, Akiva, uh, this was a great podcast, Uh, one of our longest ever, but thanks so much to Colin Stone with the idea. Thanks so much to Ted K., of course, our flag expert who actually educated us, and then thanks to Mike Pesca who came on and awarded me a well-deserved victory and go buy Mike Pesca's book. It's uh, a bunch of sports what-ifs. It could not be more up our alley, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it sounds like an awesome book. Uh, you know, maybe we'll read it and we'll uh, we'll you know discuss some of the some of his hottest takes on a future podcast. Do You know what we have coming up next week?
2: Yeah, well, Mike already said Ezra Klein's coming on next week to discuss uh, white
1: papers and ah, food. we do have a good food idea in the hopper.
2: Okay, so if you're listening to this, it's like Monday before March Madness, and uh, we'll come back with a mini-sode in a couple days to get you pumped for March Madness. This is two and a half hours about flags, which is the first thing everybody wants the day after Selection Sunday.
1: Yes, I agree.
2: Alright, Keep talk to Me. you talk to this.
1: Bye.
4: I Ale-